is time for Greg Carrasco. Kick it. Whoa, what's the Greg Carrasco show? Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live, here is your warning The topics are flowing every Saturday morning Car talk like Sherlock, the guy knows wheels like a Dow stock Movie talk on the boardwalk, shoot facts like a tomahawk So entertaining, turn up the station There's no more waiting, the show is beginning It's too late to escape, let's go Here's your host, Greg Good morning, slackers. The break was far, far too long. This is where we belong. Saturday morning, slacker nation congregates. Good morning, Ken. How are you? Doing well, Greg. Uh, nice to see you again. It's been a, a little bit of a layoff. Busy couple weeks for both of us, I'm certain. How are things going over at the dealership over uh, the last little bit of time here? It's, this last lockdown was a bit of a different beast. And uh, yeah, But be, before no I explain what I mean by that, I, I need to uh, clarify something that took place. The number of emails, text messages, social media posts, that I received over the last two weeks, Ken, made me feel so special. So many people reach out to me saying, Greg, where's the show, man? What's going on? Where's the show? Where's the show? Where's the show? What's happening? Are you okay? When is the next podcast coming down? Uh, a lot of people didn't know that uh, the Euro Cup was taking place. And we, um, I mean, it was one of the, the decisions that I made when TSN and I were in conversations for me to bring the show over uh, from the other network that uh, from time to time, um, a few times a year, there would be some sporting events that I would have to just, you know, take the day off and uh, they would have to broadcast the Masters, for example, and the Euro Cup is another big deal. Um, because after all, folks, remember that this is a sports station <laughs> and uh, uh, I am the only non-sports property of the entire network. So this is a pretty big privilege that I have here and I don't take that for granted at all. But... Um, to all the loyal slackers, uh, I I love you too. I immensely I missed you all except two. There are two of you that I do not love, and uh, you know who you are. Uh, but to the rest of the slackers, uh, we are back. We are not going anywhere. This is where we belong. Saturday mornings, eight to eleven a.m., and uh, we are here to stay. Um, we have some news that I need to share a little bit later on in relation to my friend Ken here. And um, we'll share that later on in the show. But, uh, you know, going back to, your, uh, to the question that you just asked me, Ken, the, this, this last lockdown is a bit, it's been a bit of a... Um, how can I say this on the radio? A mind F... <laughs> Is, am I, I think I, you're okay with that. I think you're okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> am I allowed to say that, man? <laughs> I think I think that's toe on the line, but I think we're okay. I think we're okay. Um, you know, we we sold more cars during the original lockdown back in last May, June, and July 
it seems like the people's mindset has shifted, you know, from buying cars into doing other things like going out and eating and partying on the streets and doing stupid things. But cars is taking a bit of a uh, they've been put in the back burner. Burner. So even though the offers are insane, uh, it's been a little quiet for the last few weeks, and uh, we are hoping that the market turns, especially since. Uh, there is a lot of things that are coming down the pipeline that the vast majority of the population doesn't know anything about. Uh, let me explain. We we received word from uh, from somebody important within the industry. I mean, this is above the dealership level that uh, the interest rates base points are going to go up. So just about every single car manufacturer in Canada is going to start raising their interest rates within the next uh, two to four months. So when when you're seeing your favorite vehicle being on, advertised on sale for 0% or 1% or 2% for that matter, or even 3.9% for that matter, because 3.9% is not a natural interest rate, believe it or not. You, you folks that have been buying cars for the last 10 years have been spoiled. You're all spoiled. Even salespeople are spoiled. You see, when you have prime, what is prime rate right now? Can you check, Ben, uh, you know, somewhere on the web what, what the prime interest rate right now? If I'm not mistaken, it's about 4.5% interest rate. That's what the interest rate is. Um, and whenever... 2.45%. That's, that's the base interest rate, but I don't think that that's, um, that's the, lend, the, um, the prime lending rate. I think it's 2.45 plus 1.5 is the base lending rate in, for Canadian banks, no? I could be wrong. You know, I'm wrong all the time. The, the one here that I'm looking at yeah. just says 2.45%, but I can certainly do some more research. Yeah, no problem. Time. So when you look at when you look at the at the national prime rate, which is 2.5 plus the additional 1.5 uh, initial lending rate that most most bank will give you, uh, whenever you see a posted rate from a car manufacturer that is anything less than 4%, it's an unnatural interest rate. That interest rate does not exist. So I've always explained this to people, but sometimes we just need to repeat it. Um, car manufacturers will, will try to incentivize the consumer in many different ways. Sometimes they give you snow tires. Sometimes they give you cash incentives. Sometimes they give you lower interest rates. And what happens is that the every vehicle that is sold in the Canadian market comes equipped with uh, a, a bunch of incentive dollars, and that is determined by each car manufacturer. Um, you have car manufacturers like Chrysler, for example, that are essentially in the business of buying consumers. They're not selling cars, they just buy consumers, so they give you ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 or so. And if you happen to get a hold of one of those employee number thingies, that they know exactly what I'm talking about. You can save $20,000 on the purchase of a vehicle. That tells you how much money Chrysler makes whenever they sell a car. That doesn't happen in the in the, uh, in the the Korean or Japanese import market. That's not what happens. So sometimes car manufacturers will buy the rate down from 4.5, 4.9, down to 1.9 or 1.9 or even 0% for that matter. That is going to go away. So... If you are looking at buying a vehicle within the next three, four, five months, and you think that you're going to wait because the market isn't as strong as it once was, I think that you need to reassess your parameters because things are going to change and it's not what you think. Have you, You've heard about this, uh, Ken, that the, uh, the microchip uh, shortage that is going around globally right now. You've heard about that, right? 
Certainly. And one of the industries that has been most affected has been the automotive industry. I believe on the last show we were talking about Elon Musk's Tesla and the computing chip that he's putting in for the onboard computer, just that you use for your navigation, use for Spotify, whatever it is. Uh, the big production holdup for him is that he can't get the chips. I myself was trying to build a computer, a work computer, to work from home during the pandemic. Pardon? And the prices. Hold on a second. You were trying to build a computer? Yeah. Uh, well, I ultimately did end up building a computer. And don't give me too much credit. The thing was built already, but I just uh, upgraded some of the pieces. But yes, I was uh, building a desktop because obviously I've been working from home for the last several months and it makes it much easier. I find desktops much easier than laptops to use. They're much faster, much more efficient. But the pricing of all the parts was about three or four times the price of that it normally is. There was just so much inflation because of the pandemic and the shortage of microchips out there. You find it funny that I built a computer? I have trouble. I'll send you a picture of it right now. I have trouble building an outfit to get out of the house in the morning. I can't build anything. You know, I, yeah, I, I have a chainsaw, and I have trouble starting it. I just bring it to the office and I give it to my buddy Tom, and he starts it for me. I'm com listen. Listen. There, there are some. There are some really. Uh, big advantages of growing up without parents <laughs> but there are some serious disadvantages you know you don't know how to use any tools you have no point to reference when it comes to building anything <laughs> it's like I, I don't know how to do man properly <laughs> hey, hey listen man no I, I understand that I like to savvy myself a somewhat handy guy when it comes to uh, like the plumbing or like working on the car myself I'm not as handy as that my, that was uh, more my dad's avenue but I don't mind like building pieces of furniture out of wood or just doing like the odd projects, you know, fixing up the deck or whatever around the house. I actually quite enjoy it. Um, I I do like the idea. I think that there is some immediate satisfaction on being able to you know do some woodworking project or you know electrical project, plumbing. I don't know about that, but uh, um, it seems like the people that didn't know how to do any of those projects were the construction company that I hired to renovate a property that I have. And they, they had no idea what they were doing. But we're going to talk about that at some point later on this summer. I promise you, folks, <laughs> I am holding Stay this tuned. back. <laughs> I am holding this back to unleash the beast. Uh, but anyways, folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And just in case you missed it, which I doubt it. Just in case you missed it, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, we are the home not only of the non-commission salespeople, but we introduced something that uh, we call the Freedom Promise. And Freedom Promise really stands for us trying to do everything possible to remove the anxiety the anxiety-inducing aspect of buying a vehicle. You know, they did a survey in the United States, and they asked people uh, whether they like buying a car, a car dealership or not. And many people said that they prefer to go to the dentist. Many people say that they prefer to give up sex <laughs> than go in and deal with a car dealership. That's how painful the experience can be, but it doesn't <laughs> have goodness. to. We want you to keep your sex life intact. You don't, we don't want you to give anything up. So what we've done at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, we have removed the three main reasons why people don't like going to car dealerships. Number one. We have no commission salespeople. Folks, when I mean, I mean this. Everyone at my store are salary employees. They have only one purpose, which is to make sure that you find the right car for you, and then we help you buy whatever you need. And if we don't have what you're looking for, we'll tell you that too. So you're never going to be stuck with something that is not something you've been looking for. Number two, 
Whenever you finance something that we have in stock, finance something in stock, we give you up to 30 days or a 1,000 kilometers for you to bring it back and exchange it for whatever else you want to drive of similar value. No questions asked. You know, we understand this from time to time. I mean, this is a pretty big purchase. Um, people make mistakes. Uh, you have a change of heart. The vehicle is not what you thought. Or you thought that you bought a lemon, whatever that is. You have 30 days or 1,000 kilometers, and um, you can bring it back, exchange it for a vehicle of similar value. And the last but not least is the fact that now you no longer need to negotiate. So what we've done at both my stores, we have taken the average selling price. This is not MSRP, folks. This is not full list. So we've taken the average selling price in the entire province of Ontario. Of all the vehicle souls that meet the criteria of the vehicle that you're looking at, and we will beat that price by a margin. So you will always pay less than everybody else has paid in the entire province of Ontario. Folks, I cannot tell you how important this is. Whenever somebody tells you to come in and negotiate, it's simply an illusion. When you bought a car because you thought you won a negotiation, that's exactly what good negotiators do. <laughs> they convince you that you won. <laughs> Folks, you need to understand this. This show is for you. It's more of a public service announcement what we do here, Ken, right? You know, we try to help people out. Yeah, you're looking out for the consumer. And this is one thing that the consumer oftentimes feel they have the leg up is when they go in for negotiations because... Your weird uncle told you that you can heckle the salesman and get the better <laughs> deal. But at the end of the day, the only way that you're signing on the dotted line for the contract is if the salesperson has won the negotiation 90% of the time. So uh, take that guesswork out of it. Come to Oakville Nissan. Do the freedom promise and take all that anxiety out of the situation. We will do that, folks. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And the lines are open. Call us. Is the traditional franchise model of the car dealership finished? Will we see car dealerships going away and going the way of the Tesla, if you know what I'm talking about? The number to call is 416-870-1050. And if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. Again, call us, 416-870-1050. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We'll be right back after the break. Canada's largest automotive radio show here with my friend Ken Stapen, the handyman. <laughs> can't say that might that might be a bit of a stretch Bob Greg, I, I, it's been a long time since i've uh, heard these show intros i don't know if you are aware of this but sean avery the guy who just gave the quick intro into this segment uh -huh. is actually one of the few players in the nhl to have a rule named after him because he was being so annoying once in a playoff game he was just waving his stick in the goalie's face in front of the net it was technically in the rules that the next that the next game before the next game the NHL came out and made a rule saying you can't do that and they called it the Sean Avery rule. That's amazing. <laughs> I also, which is also hilarious because he's talking about getting under people's skin and he did it better than anybody in the business. So it's just a very funny intro. I, I don't know if you've seen this guy's videos on like Twitter and Instagram. They're obviously not something to listen to on the radio. But like he like rides his bike through New York City and 
It's it's pretty outrageous. Hipster. Some of the things he he's sees. A hipster. So essentially, he's telling me that I'm more annoying than he is. That's great. That, that you get under people's <laughs> skin more than him, and he's one of the most annoying players in NHL history. <laughs> Anyhow, I know that you're not a, the biggest sporting guy, but I just uh, it's, it's just hilarious. Uh, I I do uh, I I happen to agree with him. I don't have a lot of friends in the car industry, and. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to take this moment to send a big shout out to one of those very, very few people that are friends of mine in the car industry. His name is um, Denver Pinto. Denver Pinto was the original uh, manager for sales here in the province of Ontario. And um, he is leaving the region and he's going to do another post within Nissan Canada. Uh, but Denver is probably one of the... Um, one of the one of the best one of one of the most fine the finest gentlemen that I come across in the car industry and it's unfortunate that he's leaving the post and I understand that the his replacement is quite a, an accomplished executive but um uh, I want to take this opportunity to send uh, a big hug and uh, uh a good luck to Denver Pinto from Nissan Canada you are a gentleman and a scholar it's been amazing working with you for the better part of the last two years. Um, I find it very unfortunate that uh, you were just removed from the post um, before the market turns, so you're not going to be able to take credit for all the amazing work that you've done for the last year and a half, Denver, and uh, um, your efforts did not go unnoticed, and they will most certainly be recognized. Uh, you know, after you are gone to pursue whatever it is that you're going to pursue within Nissan Canada. And I know that this is part of a bigger picture. And, uh, you know, Ken, um, and I've seen this over the last 30 somewhat years, is that whenever somebody's getting groomed to hold a bigger post, they move them around quite often. And it's so annoying, man. It's so annoying. You, you know, you develop a relationship with somebody and then boom. They're gone. Now you get you know, have to get to know new people, and there's, you, it turns out that at, at, at first it's, it's a little bit of friction, and then they're just fine, and you know, then we're friends again. And just when you get that relationship where you wanted it to be, boom, they're gone again. And uh, it seems to be the never-ending cycle of car dealership or car manufacturer's uh, executive training program. But uh, again, uh, Denver Pinto, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Um, Folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, home of the Freedom Promise. Now you really don't need to worry about making a mistake. We won't let you. Um, this, uh, you know, the stores are truly about making sure that everybody wins. Um, now, this is pretty exciting. Um, it's a pretty exciting day today, Ken, because after uh, over a year of broadcasting from my house, um, I'm broadcasting from the studio. So this is this is all new. I can see my buddy Ben here with the uh, red baseball cap that is a signature of his. <laughs> and uh, I had forgotten about the lights, the bright lights here at the uh, TSN 1050 studio uh, in Toronto. It's Macowan on the 401. Um, do you normally broadcast from here, Ken? I've broadcasted from there many, many times in the past. That's where we run like all our live broadcasts for the games. I've done numerous <laughs> shows as producer, on air, whatever. But yeah, it's uh, one thing if you had forgotten, and over time, if you haven't been into a TV studio in quite some time, it's the lights. They are so bright when you walk in there, especially if they're on the TV setting. Uh, luckily, technical producer Ben all over it, so he's able to dim them down for you and make it a little bit more comfortable in there. But my goodness, certainly, especially if you haven't been there in quite some time, it can be a little bit jarring on first, uh, first entrance there. 
Yeah, me me personally too. I'm I'm getting used to the whole somebody being here in studio with me thing too, because it's been at least a year since I've had anybody in here with Aww, me. So <laughs> just keeping you some company, Ben. I I hate folks. I hate broadcasting from my house. I like to have a little bit of separation between my professional life and uh, my on-air life and my house. And now I can't escape it. I don't think it's a good idea to work from home. I know there is a lot of people that are getting used to um, doing their work in their pajamas. I don't like it. Uh, and it's mostly because I, um, unlike what people may think, I have a pretty private life. I mean, I don't like to... I share just about everything here on air, and then people can find me at the dealership constantly because I really have no life. So I want to hold on to that little tiny bit of privacy that is so difficult to get these days. So when you broadcast from your house, uh, it's like I feel invaded. Like my work life is just sipping into my personal life, and I, I dislike it. And the only reason why I'm here in studio, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for this because I am constantly in trouble, is because Bell Internet Service is not that good. <laughs> so they're working on it. Uh, so if they don't fix it, I might have to go to Rogers, and uh, that's, not, that's not a good thing to say on air, especially from a Bell <laughs> station. So uh, listen, I, uh, the reality is this, that uh, I prefer to broadcast from, from the studio. I think the quality of the sound is a little bit better, and, and this is something that I've been used to for so many years now. But I'm super excited to be here this morning, especially after a two-week break. Um, so Ken, you know, here's a question for you. There's a lot of studies that have been conducted um, within the car industry. And this, you know, if, if you're in the car industry and you have a say in the matter, call us, 416-870-1050. Now, this is not only reserved for people in the car industry, clearly. This is for everyone that's listening to the show. If you're looking at buying a car, or selling a car, leasing a car, if you're looking at trading in a vehicle, if you're trying to decide which car to buy, what not to buy, um, call us if you want an honest uh, straightforward opinion on the decision that you're about to make. Call the number 416-870-1050. The show is open for you the entire three hours. We are broadcasting live to you. There's only one condition that I need to ask. Before you call the show, you need to just pinch your arm and make sure that you have thick skin. Because um, unlike the current narrative out there, we or specifically me, because I know that Ken does, uh, I don't care about your feelings. I don't care <laughs> about what you think of my opinion. Uh, I will tell you what I would say to my best friend, um, and, and, and that comes with a lot of years of experience. So if you really want to know whether you should buy this car instead of another, if you should trade in this vehicle that you're driving for something that, I, that you're looking somewhere else, and you want to have somebody that has no skin in the game except the knowledge that three decades in one of the most cutthroat industries that you can possibly find out there. No, folks, I, I, I mean this. I have seen some of the nicest people on the planet in the car industry. But at the same time, just when I think I have seen the lowest of the low, somebody walks in and lowers the standards. <laughs> You know, people think that car salespeople are a problem. Oh, man. 
they haven't dealt with customers. And I know that I'm speaking to a sympathetic audience here with Ken because you deal with the public on a day-to-day basis. Ken, is this only applicable to the car industry or does it also apply to the restaurant industry? Hey, listen, man, uh, the general public, depending on what kind of mood they're in, can be your best friend or your worst enemy. And uh, oftentimes that pre- is predisposed prior to them even walking into whatever business it is. Like if somebody's in a bad mood and they walk into your dealership, then it's going to be you know the salesperson's job or the general man- manager's job or whoever it is at the dealership to try to turn that mood around. And sometimes you're able to do it, sometimes you're not. And they're just going to leave because they were in the same mood as they were when they walked in the door. But certainly any time they are dealing with the general public in any aspect, it could go one way or the other. And ultimately, people just see you as a representative of the business. And if they're in a bad mood, they have no reservations about treating you as such. It, it, it is unfortunate because somehow, and again, look, I understand that um, the car industry for the better part of a hundred years, um, worked under the premise that there was no computers, there was no mass information available to the consumers. So a lot of the things that were done, there were no recourse. There was no sort of, there was no way for you to determine whether somebody was telling you the truth or not. But I can tell you this, folks, that Starting from the late 90s, uh, and you know, from from the year 2000 forward, let's just you know, for call it for what it is, from the year 2000 forward, when the information era became a thing, in which you know, the day that you can actually enter a, a query into a search engine, and you were able to get not one, not two, but a hundred thousand different sources that can confirm or deny the information that is being provided to you by the by the dealership things started to change and um, studies have com- been conducted as i alluded uh, back in uh, at the beginning of this show that car dealerships and and car salespeople and the transaction that the, the transaction process that takes place has been considered in many many markets the absolute worst experience that you could possibly have out of any exchange that you could have with different businesses. Worse than chiropractors, worse than your dentists, worse than lawyers, worse than politicians. So whenever an industry finds itself in the absolute worst position from a reputation standpoint, something has to change. Whether it's from the manufacturer standpoint, or whether it's from the consumer standpoint. And now that the information is so readily available to the general population, we have found that a lot of dealerships are having a tough time not evolving. It's something that they're being forced to do. But the question that I'm posing to you guys, I mean, Ben and Ken, you guys are part of a newer generation. I know that Ben, how old are you, Ben? 19, 19, 20? How, Come how, on, how? Man. I'm 23. <laughs> Going on 24. Going on 24 this summer. Uh, you guys are part of a new generation. And uh, does that still ring true, Ken? Uh, do you still, I mean, if I were to ask you, as a, you know, from a layman perspective, what, are your opinion, what is your opinion of a car dealership and what goes on in a car dealership? And knowing full well, have you ever gone into a new car dealership with the intention of buying a new car in your life? I haven't. We've uh, discussed this in episodes prior 
that I've been pretty lucky and fortunate to this point where I've always gone through private sale and it's ended up working out for me like well to my benefits like the last car that we bought as uh, you like to berate me for <laughs> quite a bit on air is a uh, 2006 <laughs> Chrysler Pacifica but it's like we've had it for probably it's been in my family for probably about 14 15 years now uh, it's never really given us any major mechanical problems just the regular wear and tear and we, I've been pretty fortunate in that regard but yes I would suggest that the majority of the reason that I've always gone through private sale is because traditionally in the outlook of my family, my extended family, is that car dealerships are always going to try to get the one up on you. And that one of the worst investments that you can make is buying a brand new car because as soon as you drive it off the lot, you're basically depreciating the value by 30%. Now, it remains to be seen if you end up keeping that car for, the, for its entire life and you take care of it and you maintain it, then perhaps that investment is a prudent one because you know that there's going to be no mechanical issues with it. But yes, Greg, I would confirm that the stigma is there and certainly is definitely ingrained. I'm not sure how Ben feels or if he's ever been to a dealership to try to buy a new car. But certainly uh, when I talk about my experience and my extended family's experience, they definitely feel, there's definitely a feeling that the dealership is trying to get the one up on you. But you see, look at, you know, you, you're a pretty intelligent human. And uh, even though you have never walked into a new car dealership and tried to buy a new vehicle, your perception of a car dealership is so unbelievably tainted by something that you have never experienced, and you are not that different from the general population. And now, now that you hear this, and, and you've been with me for almost a year now on this show, do we have a phone call? Uh, I'm not sure that we do or not, no, but no, um, no. no I, I, will, I will say that I, you know, when we talk about what the general public is willing to do, versus go to a new car dealership like i'm not in the camp that i would rather go to the dentist like that's the most absurd thing that i've ever heard like you'd rather go and get a root canal than walk into a new car dealership to talk to the salespeople. that is that's a little bit preposterous to me but you're exactly right it's uh based off not, not my own experience what going into a dealership it's not based off some terrible time i had with the salesperson or signing on to a car that you know, had all these mechanical problems or getting screwed when I went to turn in, you know, a lease because I was over the, you know, <laughs> kilometers that I had signed on for. It's based off of no prior experience. And I will say that after doing the show for the last year or so with you, like my perception has definitely changed, at least about certain dealerships and the way that they choose to conduct business versus the industry overall. Well, and and I think that you you are not alone, Ken. And and this is something that, as an industry, we are constantly having to fight. So listen to this, folks. I mean, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here with my friend Ken Stapen. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show, and it's the only car show about cars who doesn't like cars. I'm not a car guy. Uh, I drive them because that's what my profession is. I am the VP of operations for Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and that's where you find me if you want to get this objective, straightforward advice. But I've, I've said this to you for many, many, many years, over a dec you know, almost a decade and a half now, that a car is the absolute biggest waste of money that anybody could have. So the, the, the whole notion of you spending more than you need to is absurd. But unfortunately... Marketing companies have made an amazing job, have done an amazing job convincing people that the, uh, the car is an extension of their penis, 
or an extension of their <laughs> success. And, uh, you are socially validated based okay, on what yes. you're driving. I, I know, Ken, listen, this is straight talk here. And uh, this is coming from somebody that has infiltrated the car industry. And we're trying to dissect it for you here every single Saturday morning. But you know, let's go back to what we were talking about before. The... All, the, all the, the studies have shown that you can really bring down to the hate of the dealership to one simple thing. The vast majority of consumers hate negotiation. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. And I hate when salespeople press you or try to get you into something. And that's not even just <laughs> in the sense of a grand purchase like a car. It's like if I walk into a store at the Eaton Center, which is a very old-fashioned statement, and I haven't done that in about the last 15 or 16 months, and immediately there's a salesperson on you asking you, you know, what do you need? What, what can I help you find? It's like, man, everybody just relax. I'm just here to poke around. Maybe I'll find what I need. Maybe I won't. But I certainly don't like people getting right on you as soon as you walk in the gate. And perhaps that's part of the anxiety as well that's built in when you go into a car dealership and when you're making a purchase that's going to be, you know, twenty five, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. It's a pretty significant purchase. And you want to make sure that you're getting the right price and that you're not going to uh, regret that decision later on down the road. But you see, here's here's the issue, though. You know, uh, you just mentioned something that is so arbitrary and, and so subjective. Um, you come in, you don't like to be approached, okay? When you come in, you don't like people jumping on you. Yeah. The number of people that complain that they spend more than two minutes walking around in the showroom and no one approached them is more than I would ever care to share with you on air. So there is no... There is no guideline that says you need to wait 197.5 seconds before you approach the customer when they walk into a dealership. And because salespeople at most stores are playing the guessing game as to what the expectations are, they are bound to make a mistake. Would you agree yeah. with that? A hundred percent. And granted, you know, I, when I'm talking about this experience, I'm talking about buying, you know, a hundred dollar sweater at the Eaton Center. I can find that myself. If I was going in and buying a car, certainly I would want to probably talk to a representative fairly quickly, understand what was available. Uh, likely you've already done your research, as we talk about all the time. The consumer is better prepared now than they've ever been when going in to buy a car. They understand what they're looking for. They understand the comparables in the market. They understand generally what the price point is, what the additions are. Uh, all that sort of stuff is already understood by the consumer when they're heading into the dealership. So like, it does make sense to me. And also in hospitality, like I could draw this parallel as well. It's kind of like people will get angry sometimes if you are over there within 60 seconds of them seating, where then other people are, you know, why are you on me as soon as I've sat down at the table? Give me a second to take my jacket off, relax, you know, get, get comfortable, get acclimated in the environment. So it's just another parallel, but yeah, certainly it's completely arbitrary and completely subjective, person to person. So here is a question for you. Imagine, I mean, working in the uh, in the hospitality industry is tough enough to begin with because of the hours, because of the commitment, because of the individual nature of every exchange that you have with every customer that comes in. Because you don't you don't have a standardized experience. But imagine how uncomfortable it would be 
if the word got out into the uh, in, in, into the the universe, okay, that at your restaurant can, you could negotiate on the price of dinner. <laughs> oh, it's funny it's because like that's such a, that seems like such a preposterous statement. It's kind of just like the price is there, and you can come in. You have the option to order it or have the option not to, but. Yeah, that's uh, it's funny because that's basically what people are doing when they come into the dealership. But, you know, and I'm trying to get somewhere here. And folks, if you have a say in the matter, please call us, 416-870-1050. We're going to take a small break right now because I want to let this simmer here for a second. Uh, you are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here with my friend Ken Stapon. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the Freedom Promise. I promise you. We will remove the anxiety out of you buying a vehicle, whether it's a luxury car from our Infinity franchise or whether it's a Nissan in the mainstream vehicles. You need to come and see us. We are not going anywhere. We're going to make your experience a good one. Let's take a small break and we'll be right back. You're part of Slacker Nation, whether you like it or not. You are a slacker listening to the show. And we are Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stapen. You know, we talk about cars and the car industry in a way that you have never heard the car industry before, which is awesome because I don't like cars that much. I don't care about horsepower. I don't care about torque. I don't care about compression ratios. I don't care about zero to 60s. I leave that to car guys. I'm not. I'm just a regular guy that happens to work in an industry, and I've learned a lot about it, a lot about it. And I'm trying to share it with you folks here in a way that makes sense so you don't have to make a mistake when you go into a dealership and get exposed to the experience. The lines are always open. This show, unless I tell you, this show is always live. The number to call is 416-870-1050. Again, 416-870-1050 is the number. And if for whatever reason you're calling from out of town, the number is 1-855-591-6876. And I'm going to send a big shout out to all the people from, believe it or not, London, Ontario, that listen to the show. From Kitchener, Waterloo. From Aurelia and Barrie. There is a big fan base up in Barrie. The Wick. From Keswick, there's so many people that listen to the show from Keswick. From Hamilton, from the, from Oshawa, from Ajax, from Peterborough. Folks, you're amazing. I know that this show, the Carrasco Show, is your dirty little secret. You don't tell anybody that you listen to the show, but I know you do. It's okay. It's okay. We forgive you. Right, Ken? Yeah, this is certainly couldn't have, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> no, nothing wrong, nothing wrong with being a closet listener. <laughs> That's okay, man. I, I'll, I'll accept it. All I know is this: that when we're not on air, you miss me. <laughs> you do. But anyways, we, we we were talking about this before. So <laughs> Ken happens to work in a, in a restaurant, and can you imagine if somebody came in with the family and with little Colton there and Johnny, and they say to you, "How much is a chicken parm?" And you tell them it's twenty nine ninety five, and he says to you, uh, "I'll make you an offer at nineteen dollars." <laughs> what would you say, Ken? <laughs> We're having a good laugh about this off air. It's like the guy comes in and says, "I won't pay a dime over, you know, nineteen ninety five for that dish," and you would prompt promptly show them the door. 
So, Ken, so you, are you saying that you're going to lose me as a customer? That you don't want to sell me this chicken parm from 1995? Well, what I'm suggesting is that if I sell everybody the chicken parm for 1995, I'm not going to have any customers because I'm going to go out of business. Sure. You, I'm sure that you get some rebates from the franchise because it's all about volume, right? The more chicken parms that you sell, the more bon volume bonus you're going to get from the manufacturer of the chicken parm. So, no, don't lie to me. <laughs> you lie to me. It's okay. Come on. Sell it to me. 1995. I'll make you an offer. It's wild because when you apply that comparison uh -huh. to other industries, like you would never be able to go into any business really and negotiate the price, uh, especially when you're talking about uh, people will always come in and say, hey, you know, what if I just pay in cash or can we like get a deal on the side? Maybe you won't ring it in. You just don't see it. Like you, you don't walk into Walmart and negotiate the price. You don't walk into a restaurant and negotiate the price. But for some reason, you walk into the car dealership and all of a sudden it's like all hands on deck trying to get the best deal and just like, you know, s scrape a little off, scrape a little off, scrape a little off until eventually like the dealership isn't going to be making any money. But you see, here's the thing that the the average consumer thinks that the dealerships are making five, six, seven thousand dollars every time they sell a car. So nah, you know, you can take off two, three thousand dollars on a nineteen thousand dollar Civic. And anybody that works at a car dealership right now, anybody that works at a Honda store, that somebody walks in and says, you know, can you take three thousand dollars off the top on a Honda Civic brand new, they would look at you and say, you're crazy. That car has. At, at full list, at MSRP, it will have $1,300, $1,400 worth of profit max. And if you're financing that vehicle, let's say on an 84-month finance, and you give $1,300 off, your payment is going to change by probably $14 a month. So that is the difference between a full list civic sale and a cost civic sale. And we have a phone call. Who do we have on the line there, Ken? Let's go to Greg from Toronto. Greg, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, Greg, what's happening, man? Well, I just wanted to call and say happy Saturday. I'm, <laughs> you guys are getting boring. You know, you're just talking to each other. I thought you needed somebody to call in. <laughs> Appreciate it, Greg. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're amazing. How are you? I'm terrific. I'm terrific. How is that uh, new Genesis beast that you're driving? If you can tell the audience what you drive, Greg. Well, let's see... Uh, Genesis uh, GV80, it's a big one, you know, top-of-the-line guy. And um, I just wanted to talk about the experience of dealing with a dealer. Okay. Because I think it's important that you trust your dealer. You go to a dealer. I've gone to you for lots of years, right? Yep. Gotten cars from you. And um, I love dealing with you. I mean, you're, you're the best. Oh, thank you, man. I did not pay Mr. Walker to call this show, folks. This is completely uh, this is, this is unsolicited. This is unsolicited. This was not part of the programming. <laughs> well, it, well, it's not part of the programming, but it is an important topic, and that is, I don't trust any, um, but you know, curbsiding cars, stuff like that. I, I think you might consider yourself saving some money, but you might be buying yourself a lot of troubles in the long run. I like the the assuredness of being able to go back to the dealer with any problem at any time during warranty, outside warranty. They're always there for you, and I trust dealerships implicitly. They've got a big investment, and they're not going to 
you know, minimize or make their investment at in, in difficulty if they treat their customers badly. They won't do it. You see, the, the interesting thing, and it's a very valid point that you just brought up here, Greg, a lot of dealerships, specifically new car dealerships, they have sometimes tens of millions of dollars invested on their businesses within a community. They they rely on the fact that the community is going to go back and service a vehicle within their operation. So they are in the business of making sure that all the relationships that they have with their consumers are intact. And they will go out of their way to service you. So, you know, Greg used to listen to the show for a very long time, Ken. And um, one day he called me and said, okay, I'm coming down. I'm buying a car from you. And... Uh, uh, I think that part of the negotiation was this, that if he bought a vehicle from me, uh, every time he came in for service, he would have to have lunch with me. Wasn't that the uh, arrangement that you and I had, Greg? It, it turned out that way. <laughs> you know, um, it became a, a friendship as opposed to just a, a business deal. It was I love it. I love it. You're, you're, you're the best. Oh, thank you, Greg. I really appreciate that phone call, Greg. And I hope you have an amazing, amazing, amazing weekend with your beautiful lady. Thank you so much for the phone call, Greg. You know, it's, you. it's, uh, Ken, it's, what happened with, with um, Greg Walker, he calls himself Triple G. Um, he was a customer that I met. I saw him at Genesis about six years ago. And um, he became one of my best friends. Uh, he is. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna butcher your age again, Greg. Uh, he is 73, if I'm not mistaken. His birthday just took place, and I can't remember what it was. If it was 73 or 74. Anyway, and he became one of my best friends. And uh, when I need to discuss something important, I will call him. We'll sit down. We have lunch, and uh, we became friends. And I always remember. I used to work for this guy uh, called Carmen Scalione, who happens to be the GM at. Uh, uh, Acura of Oakville, and uh, his tagline was, is that where customers become friends, and I love that, I love that. Folks, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here on TSN 1050, we are Canada's largest automotive radio show, and don't be embarrassed, we're going to teach you things, you're going to learn things, it's okay, you can apply these principles wherever you go, of course I prefer that you come down and find me, no matter where I am. Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity is where I'm at right now. And if you want to call the show at any point, the number to call is 416-870-1050. And uh, we will take a break right now. We'll be right back. I have been a rich man and I have been a poor man. And I choose rich every time. Uh-huh, uh yeah. And we're back. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco show here with Ken Stapen. And a special guest this morning. It's not a guest anymore, he's part of the show. Money Mike is in the house. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, although you are literally in the house. <laughs> I am still remote, but you're in studio. That's so exciting. This is super, super exciting. I, uh, uh, if the folks at TSN and Bell Canada are listening to this, 
Please don't remove me from the uh, from the studio. I don't ever want to broadcast this show from my house ever, ever again. And if my business means anything to you guys, you need to make this happen. <laughs> uh, you know, be before we get into the uh, into the money hour, uh, Mike, there was another phone call that I I did not. I was unable to read uh, Ken's. Uh, hand signals uh, <laughs> through the uh, Zoom call. And we have a caller that uh, wanted to share something with us. So if you don't mind, let's, who do we have on the line, Ken? Let's go to Vince from Nobleton. Vince, thanks for staying on the line. No problem. Hey, Vince, what's happening? Great, great show. Love, love listening to you guys in the morning. Love Thank the you. Insight. Thank I you. I thought I'd weigh in on the uh, dealer relationship with the customers. I've been a long-time leaser. I've got a F-150. I've been leasing them for years for work and stuff. So... Uh, I'm coming down to the end of my lease this year, uh, next month. So I've had the dealership salesman calling me, you know, Vince, it's time to come in and work out a new deal. As soon as I told them, I think I'm going to buy this one out, stop calling me. They they say they're your best friends when you want to buy, but they don't want to know who you are when you don't want to buy. Are you surprised? Are you surprised? No. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, the, the reality no. is this, that that's the unfortunate part of dealing with the a commission, you know, fracture system that, you know, you are only good if there is something that can be obtained from you. Do you see what I'm saying? And yeah, uh, I get you. Now, uh, the reality is this, that uh, in most instances, it's not a good idea to buy your vehicle at the end of a lease. Uh, I think that before you do that, you should probably come and see me so I can give you a market analysis and tell you what that vehicle is actually worth in the marketplace and then we can do an actual comparison with what you owe on your buyback so this yeah. way you know whether you're paying too much or whether you are making a sound decision why don't you come and see me and i'll tell you this i'll do this for free for you yeah i'd love to come see you sure yeah, just uh, the, you need to do me one favor though. Don't show up empty-handed. You need to bring me a coffee, and uh, you know uh, the, the way that I take it is a uh, is a venti americano with uh, four long shots of espresso and four steamed heavy cream. <laughs> and uh, if for whatever reason you forgot how to get me my coffee, just get me a small black. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <Easy>. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the Keep phone call. Good work. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, sorry about that, Mike. Uh, you know, we had to talk to the listeners. They always take precedent on the Carrasco show. How are you, man? You know, I'm doing okay. I have missed your smiling face. I've been uh, <laughs> with, the, with the layoff because the the Euro Cup. Um, I, I hear teams played games and goals were scored, and it was good, apparently. So I'm glad to be back. I don't even know what it is. Is it that it's a soccer uh, tournament in, in Europe? Is that what it is? It is, yeah, it is. <laughs> apparently, there is some so, something happening in South America, like Copa America. Is that what it's called? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm surprised you're not, not following Team Chile in that, Greg. Are they playing? Yeah, yeah, they're actually half decent too. Listen, I I need to make uh, you know a clarification on this, and I know that I'm going to get a lot of people upset with this, which is something that I normally do. But uh, I was born in Chile. I lived there for 17 years, but uh, I am Canadian. I'm a Canadian, so I'm no. You're not going to see me waving any other country's flag. <laughs> Sorry, man, I'm not doing it. <laughs> but uh, anyways. The, um, I didn't even know that they were playing, um, Ben. Uh, they, uh, they That's don't, okay. I, I hope they do well. I, I think that you know the family in Chile is probably going to be cheering for them. But uh, I, it's actually, 
<laughs> I know I know we don't get into sports, but there's actually something really funny with the Chilean national team that I think you'd love. What is it? There's a guy so FIFA's rules of how you can represent your country and stuff is like very weird. Like if your grandparent was born in the country, you can technically represent them, I'm pretty sure. Like that's how far the lineage goes. So there's a guy who plays for like a second division English club. His name is Ben Brereton. Okay. But he commit I guess his grandmother or something is Chilean. Yeah. So he committed to play for Chile. He's playing for them right now, and he's going by Ben Brereton Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, it's not an uncommon thing, Ben, because in Chile, you are your actual name is with both your last names. It's only a, you know, only in Canada that I, I realize that people only have their first and second name and then one last name, and that's it. So in Chile, people carry their mom and their dad's last name. That's part of their full name. Like my mom's Makes name, is, yeah. My mom's name is Noema Carrasco Ortega. <laughs> is there anything more Spaniard than that, Mike? <laughs> no, no, that ranks up there. You qualify. You qualify. You qualify. Now, weren't you? On, oh, you going on vacation? Going on vacation. Yeah, Wednesday. Uh, I think Wednesday's technically my last day, and then I'll be off for the Canada Day, and then on through to the twelfth. So. When are you? Are you taking the entire family? The wife and the kids are all going. Yeah, yeah, we've got a, a cottage we've rented. We're going up for a week, and then you know we'll have a couple of days on each end of that week to be at home. And looking forward to some some downtime. It's uh, you know it's been a stressful year for everybody, so it's it's important we all do a little bit of self care this summer. And I know we're all excited that the world is, uh, although slowly. Uh, opening back up again. We all want to get back to doing some normal hey, listen, stuff. Listen, you know, when you have a, a province with a population of 14 million uh, and you have 190 cases, that's terrifying. You know, the percentage <laughs> is huge. So we need to keep everything locked down tight. Right, Ken? I'm not taking you down that road, Ken. Not taking you down <laughs> yeah, we, that road. We, we, we've been pretty good today, but it is nice yeah. to see that uh, the numbers are down and things are starting to open up. But you're right, Mike. It has been a very strenuous 15 months and you deserve some time off, so enjoy the time up north with you and your family, and uh, just kick back, relax, and try to turn off that email. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> try being the operative. So you're you're going <laughs> you're going from being trapped with your family in Burlington to being trapped with your family in cottage country. What's the difference? This, just the scen scenery. That's it. This is what the kids have said. Haven't we had enough family time? <laughs> you know, well, it's. Uh, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. But yeah, change the scenery, get a get back to nature a little bit, um, have a little less of the chores around the house to do. Just none of that stress uh, for a week will be good. Uh, folks, if you're just tuning into the show, number one, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco show here, and we are although we're Canada's largest automotive radio show, we have expanded the uh, the topics that we bring to you every Saturday morning and. Uh, uh, this has become a bit of a, I say, a support group for the world. We talk about all sorts of different things, and uh, um, I try to look at the world, you know, through the lens of I don't know anything, and um, you know, especially when it comes to finances, I, I felt that I, I, I truly didn't know enough. And uh, money, Mike, is 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 a very good friend of mine. We've known each other for 20 years, but he's also my personal financial advisor. So he is the person that manages my money. Whatever little there is, <laughs> and uh, so he he was kind enough to 
come in on, on air with me and uh, and share some of his knowledge with my audience. And uh, if you need to reach him, um, normally he doesn't deal with um, broke people like me. Uh, so he deals with high net worth clients, but uh, he was kind enough to share his knowledge here. If you want to reach him, his um, uh, his website is moneymike.ca or you can call him directly after the show please 905-320-6762 and you watch his phone number just blow up again his number after the show is 905-320-6762 but if you want to call the show right now because we are live here on tsn it's 416-870-1050 again 416-870-1050 you know last time you were in the show mike uh, we were talking about, you know, we're briefly talking about uh, state planning and uh, how there's a lot of people who inherit money, but uh, that often it doesn't work out as well as they intend to because uh, uh, nothing that comes by chance can ever be appreciated. And I understand that, uh, you know, quite well. Now, over the years, we, we've all heard of people that have won the lottery and uh, within a year or two, they end up depressed and penniless because they never had the money before. They don't know how to deal with life after they have a little bit of you know, money coming your way. And now, uh, what I can tell you is this, that if you got an inheritance... Uh, or you have you know a certain a substantial amount of money sitting around not knowing what to do you have to call mike because he is going to help you and save you from yourself <laughs> Would you, i think that mike is one of the uh, that's one of his jobs you should have that on your uh, on your business card mike you know i help people save themselves from themselves now can you talk a little bit more about some of the statistics of people who inherit money over the years? It, it is something that I think has been growing in the media focus because it's it's a big deal. I, I remember early on in my career um, hearing that baby boomers were set to inherit something like $3 trillion in Canada over the, the coming 20, 25 years. And, and more recently, they're now talking about the baby boomers passing their money on to the next generation. And, and that expectation, literally in the next decade, is that a trillion dollars will change hands from wow. baby boomers to their children. It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, between stock market portfolios and real estate holdings, um, there, there's a lot, and businesses, of course, there's a lot of money that's going to be passed down to the next generation. And statistically speaking, it does not always end up very well. Talk to me about that. I want to know what the stats and the numbers say, uh, because uh, that amount of money is astronomical. And uh, I see a time of decadence. I see a time of decay. Uh, and people are going to self-destruct. So can you talk to me a little bit about what has happened over the years? So. I mean, there's a lot of different, there's different avenues that people come across money. Um, so, you know, inheritance from family members is one of the big ones. Uh, having a business passed down to them is one of the big ones. Lottery winning is, you know, not, not prevalent through society, but, with, you know, so the thing that we hear most about, you know, $70 million lottery win earlier this week and you know, split between two people or two two tickets, so $35 million each. Uh, and then, of course, one that I always consider, and, and sort of topical again because of the station we're on, athletes who 
are granted huge contracts mm -hmm. it is in some form uh, a lottery winning. It's uh, it's earned rather than uh, than luck, but uh, it's an individual having a large sum of money thrust upon them that they've not had before. And across all four of those categories of inheritance, business, lottery, and, and big big sports contracts, it, it does not always turn out a, a good thing. So, you know, let, let's talk about the most sensational version, the lottery win. Okay. Um, you know, the statistics that I found in researching this were that 70% of lottery winners end up broke. <laughs> what? 70%. A third of those... In, in how long? Well, in different time periods, but um, a third of those people actually end up going on to declare bankruptcy. Uh, and typically what they look at is about a five-year period. Um, and now there, there is uh, some other statistics that said it's, you know, it's not quite as, as bad as those initial numbers that uh, are being reported, but it's a huge, huge number. 1% um, of lotto winners go bankrupt every year. Uh, and, and, you know, there's an increased bankruptcy risk when you, when you do win a lot of money. So, you know, and when I say a lot of money, let's just say at least $50,000. Um, they're more likely to go bankrupt in five years as a result of winning money. Um, and it's, it's really surprising when you think about all that money being thrust upon someone and, and how could they possibly end up in a worse financial position than when they, they were before they won it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so typically they spend the money. And I would say nearly half of them, actually the statistic is 44% of them, have spent it all within five years. What do these people buy? <laughs> well, you know, there's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty standard list that you would think of. Uh, a good percentage of that money goes to family members. Um, Forty percent of them increase their contributions to charity. Uh, Twenty percent of lottery winners um, go on their first foreign vacation that they've ever gone on. You know, a big ticket trip, that the, the, the bucket list trip that they go on. Uh, Seven percent buy an RV. Not enough to buy a house, let's buy a mobile one. But, but buying a home happens as well. Um, you know, and, and traditionally, like literally three quarters of people who live in apartments or rental units who win a lottery, they go out and buy a, a single family home. So it's not all misspent, but mm -hmm. it's gone pretty quick. Um, a quarter of them buy land or, or uh, a home in a foreign country. So, you know, back in the old country, I want to buy a house there so we can vacation. Uh, a, a, cert, a very small percentage move their kids from public to private school. But the money gets spent. And one of the biggest problems, of course, is that a lot of people buy assets and they don't necessarily invest the money to create an income to maintain those assets. So they buy the houses and the cars and, and yet their income is the same. Some of them quit their jobs and then all of a sudden their income stops. They bought all this stuff that needs to be maintained. supported yeah. Yeah, and, they, and they don't have the money to do it. So. Yeah, it's, it's some pretty surprising statistics, but inheritance is, is the one that happens most prevalently. And dealing with my clients who inherit money, they do tend to make statistically better decisions. And I think it's because they attach the family work that created those assets. 
So, you know, money from mom and dad, it's like they, they know, you know, mom and dad are attached to that money. They saw what mom and dad had to do over the lifetime to earn it. So they do tend to make better decisions, but there's still a little bit, as you said at the, the beginning of, uh, I didn't have to earn it myself. So it, it, it doesn't, it's not treated the same way. Uh, it is it is unreal to me how many people retirement plan these days younger people is waiting for their parents to die <laughs> and this is the only way that will support their own retirement and i know that uh, you know it may sound a little bit harsh or, or raw on air but the the truth is this that do you think mike that as you know, as the the population ages, and you have been able to make some wise choices in relation to your finances, that you would be better off contacting somebody like you, for example, to invest the inheritance that is going to be uh, bestowed upon their children before it gets spent. Do you think that, is that a normal practice? Well, it, it is with the people that I deal with. I, I wouldn't necessarily... Uh, Sorry, I suppose I should slow that down. I'm not the first call they make, <laughs> for sure. Um, and oftentimes there's some decisions that they were on the cusp of making that, that having this money uh, given to them means they make those decisions a little more quickly. So, you know, they were thinking they'd buy a new car sometime in the, in the years ahead and they buy it right away. Um, sometimes they, they upgrade the house, they do a renovation that they had always wanted to do. So there's a little bit of that activity. But then, you know, the people that I deal with, they do call me and say, hey, we've inherited this money. We've got to figure out what to do with it. No, I think that, uh, you know, let me just rephrase my question. Yeah. Uh, let's say that I, I was able to save up some money and, um, you know, I'm putting this aside from when I pass on. And yeah. um, do people that are in my position, instead of giving it to my children, I yeah. give it to you instead? So you can start generating an income and investing for my children so they don't get exposed to that money that could potentially go away and mean there's self-destruction. Sometimes that's what happens. I mean, the, the majority of time for my clients, if they've been able to generate money that they're going to pass on to the next generation, it's already invested with me. Mm -hmm. And they're taking the time to introduce me to their kids to start to guide them now so that when the inheritance comes, they know what to do with it. Um, you know, it's it, one of the parents' biggest fears, obviously, is that the, that money gets squandered or that it causes more hardship on their children because they, they didn't have the skill set to, uh, to deal with that money. So intergenerational wealth transfer in, and planning is something that we do with our clients. And uh, it's it's important. I, I think it's important for anyone who's who's generated something that they plan to pass on. It, it's scary, as you sort of uh, alluded to, that there are some people out there whose retirement plan is founded in inheriting money from their parents, and it's something that I definitely don't encourage. I when I'm building a financial plan with my clients, I tell them we need to get you there under your own steam. Mm -hmm. Because we can't count on, you, you really can't count on inheritance. Um, and, and whether or not an inheritance is an inevitability, the amount of that inheritance is unpredictable. Because especially this generation, the, the baby boom generation, they are probably one of the most active generations of retirees in the history of mankind. 
you know, long gone are the days of people retiring and sitting in their rocking chair on the on the wraparound oh, porch, no. <laughs> watching the fields grow. Uh, that, that's not what this generation is doing. So they're very active. They, you know, they sort of verbalize. Now is the time for them to take care of themselves and and enjoy themselves. Um, 80s are the new 50s is what yeah. I keep hearing. And uh, it, it is unbelievable how how well some of these folks are looking these days and how, you know, fit they're staying. And uh, I, I think it's important to recognize that an inheritance is not and should not be taken for granted. Folks, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here on TSN 1050 with my friend Ken Stapen. And uh, with me on air is uh, Money Mike, who is my personal financial advisor. So if you if you hear something that resonates with you, you are there is some money coming down uh, the line, or you are ready to pass something on to your children, or someone came in to a large amount of money, you need to write this information down. MoneyMike.ca is the website. MoneyMike.ca or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762 and Mike will hold your hand through the process. So this becomes a, a, a positive experience in, in, in its full form. Um, folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. We're going to take a small break and we'll be right back after the break. Uh, talking with us this morning is my personal financial advisor. He's the person that holds my hand through all my inadequacies <laughs> in financial knowledge. He's the only person that I voluntarily allow to touch my moolah. Money Mike is a friend of mine. We've known each other for the better part of the last 20 years. And you can reach him at moneymike.ca or you can call him at 905-320-6762 just like hundreds of my listeners have called him over the last few years and uh you know he is um, he's managing the money of a lot of our listeners here and uh, that makes me super happy because now i know that the person that i actually trust when it comes to financial advice and financial planning is looking after my listeners but uh, um, today we were talking about how the impact how great of impact uh, coming across a large sum of money can have on people's lives for the better and for the worse. And, um, you know, we were talking about inheritances and lottery winnings. And soon or later on in the show, we're going to talk about the young athlete that just signed up a 10, 15, 20 million dollar contract. That sort of thing is terrifying to me. But, uh, you know, before we get into that, Mike, Let's say that I am a reasonable human. I have a job. I, you know, I, I, you know, make a good living, and I know that there is an inheritance coming down the pipeline. Are there certain steps that I need to take in order for me to plan, uh, and and what to do on that regard, and when the, in the eventuality of that happening? Well, I think in an ideal world, we don't plan on inheriting. As I said, we we create a plan that says we're going to be able to provide for ourselves everything we need to sustain us through the rest of our lives without inheritance. But when inheritance is, is on the doorstep, when we know it's coming, uh, essentially an inheritance is a windfall that should propel or accelerate us in our financial plan. It should not actually be entered into it. We should already have our plan set of what we want to do so that when inheritance comes along, we're able to look at that financial plan and say, how do I move this plan forward? And, and depending on the amount of the inheritance, it could be I get the mortgage paid off faster than anticipated. Mm -hmm. 
it could provide a lump sum of money that means maybe I can pay for my kid's education that I wasn't on track for, or I can give a little boost to my retirement savings. Uh, essentially, we should be keeping our plan as much the same as possible, and this windfall simply puts us ahead of schedule. It accelerates now, it, yeah. It, exactly. And now sometimes you inherit so much money that it goes beyond just accelerating the plan. It puts you in a position where now you need to readdress what your your forward plans are, what your retirement will look like. Uh, and And so having a plan and knowing that this lump sum is now coming, you can enter that into the picture and evaluate how do I change my lifestyle in a reasonable way that's not going to overcommit me and put me in a position that I'm in, in financial hardship down the road. The question that I have for you is, I, I guess it's more of a position of ignorance. How can you possibly plan for something that is unknown? I mean, most people, when they get an inheritance, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. You know, I got this much. You know, it's, it's a bit of a surprise. I don't know very many people that are planning to you know, to, to, to leave X number of dollars uh, it, when they pass on. Normally, it's mm -hmm. something that happens after everything is clear, the debts are paid, and this, you know, this, the state uh, looks after all the things that they need to, uh, need to be taken care of. So how would you even plan on that? Well, you'd be surprised. Uh, there's a lot of people, uh, there, there's sort of this stigma here in Canada, like it's, it's almost considered rude to discuss money. And there are some people who have raised their, their children to never discuss finances. And I, I think that's one of the most important responsibilities a parent has, is to, to pass that knowledge on to the next generation. So some people just flat out do not discuss it. And those are the people I think you're talking about who find out all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I'm inheriting. But it, it's becoming a lot more acceptable and people are embracing the idea of discussing finances with their with their children. So there are a lot of people who have an idea. They they come to me and say, I'm probably going to inherit four or five hundred thousand dollars in the next decade from my parents. And what do I do? That's an interesting conversation. Ken, would that make you happy? <laughs> would that make anybody happy? <laughs> Just uh, walking into half a million dollars? Yeah. I think that's a that's a pretty pretty good day financially, albeit uh, generally, if you're making that inheritance, it's uh, because of a not so desirable situation. So, sure, sure. I, I've I've literally only once in 25 years had that that really unexpected scenario of inheriting a large sum of money from a distant relative that you didn't know was uh, leaving you money. You, I've, I've you seen did? it once. Yeah, I've the seen great it once. Aunt. Yes, exactly. Twice removed. Exactly, exactly. So it does happen. It's it's not as common. But uh, more and more people are starting to come with me with that expectation or, or that understanding of I'm going to inherit money and I think it's going to be around here. And we still can't factor it in, but we can have a discussion that says when it comes, if it comes, what do we do? And we can look at the financial plan and say, well, here's the areas that we can improve our plan when that day comes. But there's also a large number of people, and you know, I, I speak to um, some, some people who've been quite successful and be able to generate wealth on their own who are also in line to inherit money from their parents. And their attitude's a little bit different. They've, they've kind of said, you know what, I don't need it. I have everything that I need and want, and we're on pace to live without it. And they come at it more with a standpoint of being custodians 
of the inheritance that their parents leave them, and they're already thinking about the next generation. How do I use my parents' wealth to help out my kids? Because we don't need it. We're, we're, we're fine. And, and so they're thinking about passing it along. And it, it becomes almost a, a, a generational thing where they are, you know, they are custodians of what the, the people before them created and how do we use that wealth best to improve not just ourselves but other people. I don't know how I feel about that, you know. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I, I keep hearing about uh, Jackie Chan and what is it, Bill Gates or somebody else, that they're leaving nothing to their kids. And that mm. somehow makes me so happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I'll give you the biggest example that I read about, and you know, a very popular and, and famous name. Um, everybody, of course, has heard of Warren Buffett, or at least if you haven't, yeah. let this be the introduction to him. You know, one of the, the three or four wealthiest people in the world who, who created his wealth investing in companies in the stock market, well, owning companies, actually, um, and he amassed so much wealth. You know, he was worth, as recently as a decade ago, $60, $70 billion, and he started giving it away. And to my understanding, he's already given away 30 or $40 billion, and he still has a net worth in excess of $60 billion. He's still one of the wealthiest people in the world. But he was one of the biggest proponents of saying, I, I don't plan on leaving a huge lump sum to my kids um, because I, I think it would kill their motivation to create for themselves. I feel the exact same way. I mean, if yeah. you know that you have a giant parachute on the other side, what incentive do you have to drive on your own? Yep. Yeah, no, he, he's always been very logical about it. In fact, I, I remember hearing him say he's had family members approach him with business ideas and asking for loans. And he's essentially said if their business idea was so good, there are plenty of banks and other institutions out there that would love to loan money to them. Why do you need mine? So he, he refuses to do it. Um, he, he has, throughout his lifetime, he pays for his kids' and his grandkids' educations. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's felt, that's a way I can assist you without actually killing your economic productivity. Uh, but he doesn't give it away. And in fact, because he knew he had so much wealth, he started training his kids on how to be charitable. And, and one of the stories I heard was that he started giving each of his, and I think he has four kids? Uh-huh. Uh, he started giving each of his kids $10 million every year to go into their charitable foundations to start training them how to distribute that kind of money that would to hurt. help out causes. <laughs> that would hurt. Uh, Ken, I'm, I'm giving yeah. you $10 million, but you ha have to give it away to a charity. How do you feel about that, Ken? Hey, that's uh, tax write-offs for the next three decades, it would seem, if you're giving that much away to charity. But Wait, no, he's, a, but he's not giving the money to them. He's giving it to their charitable foundation. Oh, they don't okay. get the money. Yeah, they're, he's training them to run charities because he knows I'm going to have tens of billions of dollars that I want to go to charity when I'm gone, and I want you guys to run it. But he eventually came to the conclusion that he had so much money that there's very few people in the world who have the skill set to distribute that kind of wealth, and he promised his money to the Bill Gates Foundation, ultimately.
Oh wow, that's yeah. uh, that that's insane, folks. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco show here on TSN 1050. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show, and with me in, uh, right now is uh, Money Mike, my personal financial advisor. If you happen to hear something that resonates with you, and you happen to be in a position that we discussed this morning. Write this, moneymike.ca, moneymike.ca, or you can call him at 905-320-6762. It's his line after the show. So you can uh, discuss your financial needs, and if you are in the process of leaving an inheritance to your children, or you just received uh, a large sum of money and you don't know what to do with it other than spend it, <laughs> you should probably make that phone call. Uh, I think that it's perhaps the best phone call that you will ever make. I think that we all like to sit around at the office from time to time and discuss, if I were to win the 649, what would I do with that money? Have you ever entered that conversation, Ken? Come on, just tell me that you do it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Everybody's thought about it from time to time. If they came into a, a large sum of money, what they would do with it. And I think that my perspective generally falls in line to what Mike has been saying before, depending on the amount. Probably likely take a little bit and make a down payment on a house. Uh, and like, uh, honestly, I'd probably invest the rest. Like just pay off whatever uh, excess debt that you have comp- entirely and then put the rest in the bank and let it grow because it's going to be a lot more beneficial for you in 30, 40 years down the line if you invest it properly than it is you know, just today if you're spending it you know, for face value. Yeah, it, it, it is an interesting thing because often when, when we get into the discussions at the office, uh, the, the number one thing that I hear, Mike, is that, uh, yeah, I, don't, I won't work anymore. And if I ever come across that sort of money, <laughs> it's not something that would ever fall within the scope. I, would, I could never quit my job just because I came across some additional money. Is, is this something that you hear often, Mike? It, it is, and, and people tend to have sort of a critical number in mind. If I if I win or come across X, then I'm done. Um, but you know, I've I've had that conversation as recently as this last seventy million dollar lottery uh, <laughs> this earlier this week. What would you do if? And you know, if uh, I've always said, you know, if I were to inherit two, three, four million dollars, would I retire? No, no. It, it what I would likely do is I would change the way I work. I think I would uh, I would focus more on working with who I enjoy working with, mm-hmm. and worry less about you know company targets and sales goals and all those things that corporations are focused on. I could just uh, focus on working with the people I enjoy working with, and and probably spend less time at it and more time with my family. Uh, but you're like yourself. I don't know that I could uh, stop doing what I do. I enjoy it too much. And, and human beings need to be productive at every age. They, I, they need to feel useful. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think that if you happen to be uh, one of those people that won the lottery last week and those $70 million were split and you're listening to the show, <laughs> you, need to, you need to call Mike. You, he's about to save you from being bankrupt in the next five years. So, <laughs> folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. So before you make any car buying decisions, you owe it to yourself to come and see me because I have no life. Uh, we're going to take a small break. We'll be right back. That's a good tune. <laughs> good for you, Ben. That's, uh, that's, that's my wrestling fandom coming out right there. <laughs> the, uh, 
if you're just tuning in, folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here. Uh, with me uh, on air is Money Mike, my personal financial advisor. And uh, um, if you need to reach him because something speaks to you this morning, you can reach him at moneymike.ca or you can call him at 320-6762. So if you're passing some money down to your people, if you, uh, if you have a business and you are looking at uh, planning the state or the actually, um, what is it called? The secession plan. Yes. Um, it, I think that you had some, some thoughts on that, Mike. Uh, if you do have a business and you wanted to pass it down to your kids, uh, can you tell me a bit more about it? Well, yeah, it is another form of that inheritance where wealth is uh, traditionally passed down. And again, statistics are not great in that arena. Um, literally 90% of businesses uh, do not survive to the third generation. So. Uh, it, it's it's tough to keep those businesses going when the person who was inspired to create it is no longer at the helm. So it requires some planning, and it can it can affect the finances of everyone involved. A lot of times, especially in in today's economy, it's very difficult for children to be able to buy the business from their parents. So the the parents end up somewhat gifting the the business to their children, but still have a financial interest in the business. They need that business to keep going because the kids can't afford to buy it out right away. And so if the business fails, the parents and the children are affected. So it's, it's a very tricky thing, but it's another one of those uh, forms of inheritance that need to be planned. Wouldn't it be easier to just to sell the business and, and distribute the, the proceeds to, uh, to the, the surviving children? Oftentimes, and if you grow your business, you know, I, I've worked with some very successful business people um, who have grown the business to such extents the kids could never hope to buy it from them. Um, but, uh, and ultimately the, the person who created it knew they had to sell it. I, I remember dealing with one business owner, actually, they sold their business, I think it was about $31 million they got for selling their business. Jeez. And they were scared. They, they spent their whole life running the business mm. and, and creating this, this monstrously successful operation. They didn't know what to do with $31 million. They had never invested anything. Wow. So when I met them, literally they were sitting with, with $31 million in their bank account because they were scared of making the wrong decision. They didn't know what to do. Inheritance, selling a big asset, um, this is something that has to be planned. You have to... You have to generate the skill set to know what to do with that kind of money, and it takes time and experience. It's something that people need to train for. You need to train your kids for it. You need to train yourselves for it. Uh, you know, during the break, Ken had a question for you in relation to tax. Ken, what was that yeah. question? Yeah, well, we were talking about the lottery, and uh, I believe the amount that we were talking about was $70 million total split over two tickets. So that would have been $35 million for each party who was holding a ticket. And my question to Mike was, how much of that is actually going to be take-home? Is that because I assume that a large portion of that would be paid out to the Canadian government? Yeah, and in Canada there are there are no lottery taxes. So anything you win from a, a lottery, a casino, a scratch ticket, it is one hundred percent tax in your pocket. If you wow. want if you want that kind of money, Ken, do you know which one of your family members would be knocking on your door? <laughs> I feel like we all have an idea about the family members that we would be getting calls from if we were to come into that large sum of money. And ultimately, uh, as we were discussing, it could be extremely difficult when you win that amount of money because all of a sudden, 
everybody you know is uh, showing up and asking for a little help here or a little help there. And uh, as Mike alluded to, it never seems like it's going to be enough regardless of how much money you give them. And it's going to ultimately cause you know friction between your friendships, friction between your relatives. It can be a really yep. stressful time. It doesn't have to be, though. You see, in, in my case, Ken, I am going to say this out loud uh, <laughs> on air. If I ever come across that kind of dough, do not, under any circumstance, call me. <laughs> do not. I'm not going to. It's not happening. No charities, no family members. No, just no. no. Nobody call. <laughs> Nobody calls. Uh, the only phone call that I would be making is going to be to Mike and said, Mike, t- help me. <laughs> what do I do with this? <laughs> I don't know what to do. Um, there's a couple of Rolexes that are looking pretty good. And I, I, uh. I, I ah, yeah, no, that's, uh, Mike is going to guide me through that one. But, you know, bef- before we finish the hour, Mike, yeah. uh, can you talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, Canada is filled with top, you know, world-class athletes that are signing multi-million dollar contracts. Talk to me about it. What should they be doing uh, other than calling you, of course? Yeah, well, the, uh, sadly, the statistics regarding athletes is even scarier. Um, you know, Sports Illustrated once estimated that 78% of NFL players were bankrupt or under financial stress within two years of leaving the sport. Oh, my God. Um, it, and, and other sports, they don't get necessarily much better. 60% of NBA players broke within five years of wow. retiring. Wow. And uh, even Major League Baseball, a large percentage go bankrupt within five years of leaving that sport. They're, they're literally four times the national average likely to, uh, to submit to, to bankruptcy. Um, and, and there were some statistics from the National Bureau of Economic Research that says, well, the NFL is not really as, as bad as, mm-hmm. as that that Sports Illustrated reported. They said, you know, maybe more like 2% broke within two years and 15% after 12 years. But it's still a large number, and you think, man, these huge contracts, how is it that they, that they go broke? And so, you know, I did do some research on it, and my family is a baseball family, and we found baseball players are actually encouraged to study finance in college. You know, learn about um, cash management, learn about contracts so that they have a little bit of a base. And there is some edu- educational courses that professional sports are starting to provide athletes because they've, they've seen it too many times. Um, and, but, you know, part of the problem with being an athlete, there's, there's so many of them, um, that affect their finances. There's things like the jock tax. What is that? Well, they, they play in, in one country and live in another. So they have to pay taxes in multiple places. Um, their fellow players encourage them to spend their money lavishly. You know, you gotta, you gotta show off the lifestyle. Um, and, and the biggest problem, I think, you know, other costs that they go through, managerial costs, you know, supporting their families and all over the world. Um, but the length of their careers is probably the biggest challenge. You know, you have those, as you said, those huge contracts thrown on you. But the, the average length of careers in these sports are a lot shorter than what you would think. What are they? Basketball, it, it's only four and a half years. What? Baseball is also under five years. The worst of them is football because of the wear and tear it takes on the body. Average career length, 3.2 years. So you're making a lot of money, and it's done very quickly. That's fascinating stuff. Did you ever think, Ken, that, uh, what is it, 78% was the first number? 78% of NFL players go broke. Yeah. And, yeah. With, I've, it's, I've, it is scary. 
I've heard about these statistics before, and uh, I'll actually double down on another thing that I've heard about the MLB in particular, is that there are companies that will target potential top prospects and end up giving them what's called a big league advance. And basically what they do is they'll have them sign a contract and pay them out some money up front when they're still prospects in the minor leagues not making very much money with an agreed-upon percentage that once they sign onto their big-ticket major league deal, that they will have to pay back a percentage of their future earnings to the company for the advance on the contract. Uh, a com the biggest example was Fernando Tetis Jr., and although the amount of the advance was not disclosed, uh, basically it's usually around 8% of the total contract value moving forward. So Jeez. through the term of the contract, he, he signed a $340 million contract extension, so likely it's going to be you know thirty to thirty five million dollars that he's going to end up paying out now to the company that gave him the advance, which oftentimes is less than half a million dollars yeah. that is that is fascinating, but folks, that hour went by very quickly with some very, very interesting information. so if you happen to be expecting an inheritance, if you happen to be planning to leave an inheritance, if you happen to have won the uh, lottery <laughs> last week or over the last year, or you are an athlete and you want to save yourself from a 78% doom chances, you need to call Money Mike at 905-320-6762 or moneymike.ca. Mike, amazing to have you once again on the show, and I'm looking forward to talking to you again. My pleasure, gentlemen. Good morning. Bye-bye. Uh, folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We're going to take a small break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. Slacker Nation congregates once again on this rainy Saturday morning. The weather is turned, man. It's terrible outside. Is it? Is it rainy where you are? Uh, it's supposed to rain all weekend. It was pretty rainy last night in the GTA downtown Toronto. And it's my understanding that's supposed to carry through till early next week. So certainly has turned from the you know hot feeling of the early days of June to now uh, just getting poured on for the majority of uh, the next 10 days. Yeah, I haven't been able to take my motorcycle out uh, for, a, for a while now. That sucks. It's not good. You know, when you have a motorcycle you know, sitting in your, uh, in your garage, it's like, ah! I need some um, sunny weather. If I ever thought about a reason to move to another country permanently, uh, it would be that I could actually ride my motorcycle every day, year-round. Year-round. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's, uh, riding a motorcycle is uh, therapeutic. It's an ethereal experience. Uh, do you know how to ride, uh, Ken? I, ha I haven't. Uh, my dad used to have one when I was much younger. Mm -hmm. uh, I never got into it, really, I guess. Like, and... Uh, I suppose I was always uh, steered away from having one just because uh, we all are aware of the uh, magnitude of an accident on a motorbike. And I think I'm a, I find myself to be a pretty responsible you know, driver, a pretty responsible rider in that sense. But the problem is, is that you never know what the other guy's going to do on those things. And you hear about these accidents all the time on the 401 or wherever. I've had many friends that have passed away riding motorcycles, so it's never been in my echelon, but I totally understand the draw and the adrenaline rush and why people do it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, a big shout out to every single motorcycle rider out there. Uh, you know, just, just stay safe. Don't be stupid. Just be aware, man. No, I guess you, know, you, you, got, you got to keep an eye out when you're on those things because it's a thin line between you and the, you and the asphalt there. 
Yeah, there is not uh, there's not a lot of protection there. But uh, uh, before we go any further, folks, this uh, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the Freedom Promise, and uh, all we promise to you is that either one of my two stores, Oakville Infinity and o- Oakville Nissan, is to remove as much of the anxiety that buying a new or a used vehicle can bring into your life. Uh, we have no commercial salespeople. When you finance anything that we have in stock, you have 30 days for 1,000 kilometers for you to bring it back and exchange it for something of similar value. Uh, no questions asked. We understand that people sometimes uh, feel remorse and they make mistakes, and uh, we understand that. And last but not least, and this is something that um, we have worked really hard to do for the last little while, and uh, we find that the more logical uh, the, uh, the, the yeah the the intellectually uh, gifted uh, consumer understands what we're trying to do. Uh, when I say to you that uh, we don't negotiate anymore, so what we've done is that um, we we don't put an arbitrary number on the prices, and our prices change every month uh, because we're using real market statistics in order for us to provide you with our one price policy. And this is essentially what we do: we take the average selling price for the vehicle that you're looking at buying in the province of Ontario. And uh, we, we take a margin off of that. So you will always pay less at our store without the need of negotiating. And, um, you know, it is, it's been amazing, Ken, uh, how well received this has been at the store since we introduced this about two months ago. It is amazing because this applies to new use Nissan as well as Infinity. So now you literally have to come in. We give you the price right up front, and you can concentrate in making this experience a good one as opposed to falling for the illusion of beating a salesperson down with negotiating tactics that we already know far too well. (laughs) Hey, listen, we talk about it all the time. The majority of anxious feelings that go into buying a car is based off the facts that you think you're going to get a bad deal or you think you're going to overpay, or that you're going to buy the car, and then two weeks later you're going to think, oh, no, I made the wrong decision. I should have gone for this different model. The Freedom Promise takes all the guesswork out of that, and it protects the consumer in making the right decision for them and feeling comfortable in the decision that they've made moving forward. So not surprising to hear that the reception has been warm for this particular deal because it's a a no-brainer for the people who are looking to buy a car and people are coming from all over southern ontario to visit the store at oakville and uh, they know that this is what we do and i can tell you uh, the the show is almost single-handedly responsible for getting the awareness on on this sort of methodology which is look you know we are the first dealer that is doing this and uh, i get challenged and i i posted this on uh, linkedin the other day and linkedin is like the new is facebook for businesses you get the trolls there, like left, yeah. right, and center. You know, I, I can tell you that um, the number of people that reach out to me on LinkedIn trying to sell me stuff without even saying hello first, hi, my name is blah, 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 and they just try to sell you stuff is crazy. But anyway, somebody said to me the other day, Greg, uh, you're claiming that you are the first dealer in Canada that's doing this, but the reality is that um, that's not true because, you know, some other company factors have done this before, like Saturn, for example, and the Fab Group, and blah, 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 and they just carry on with this. So there is something that, you know, I need to clarify, and I'm, I've always been a huge um, supporter and admirer of Saturn. 
uh, when Saturn was uh, was a thing, um, I do think that GM, GM made a terrible, terrible, terrible mistake by not continuing to support the efforts that uh, in the ideology that uh, Saturn was pushing forward, and uh, I think that that is missed. Now, one of the things that uh, in, in Saturn was a little bit different is that uh, they didn't have a one-price system for used vehicles, and also they used to negotiate on trades, which left it open for ambiguity, and this is not something that we do anymore. Um, both my stores have systems that will tell you in real time what the trading value is for your car. So let me give you an example, folks. If you listen to the show right now, by the way, if you have a say in the matter and you want to discuss this with me, you can always call us here at 416-870-1050. Again, we are live to you. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And this hour is for you. So if you have a, if I have a question, suggestion, concerns, issues, Grievances. Beefs, grievances. Call us. Whatever it is that you want to complain about, I'll talk to you. 416-870-1050. Even if you want to complain about the show, I'll still talk to you. (laughs) If you want to complain about the freedom promise. (laughs) The freedom uh, promise. Bring bring it off of LinkedIn and bring it to the airwaves right now. (laughs) So I I get into... I, I make a big mistake sometimes, Ken. And I... I wish I could take the high road, but I don't. I never take the high road, especially on social media. So when somebody goes at me on social media, uh, I, I have to engage. And uh, one of the things that is very little known is the fact that um, for the last almost seven years now, all the dealerships that I have run, I have done it without used car managers. I, I abolished the position because I don't think that it's necessary anymore. We now have systems in place that, for example, folks, if you listen to the show and you're looking at trading in a vehicle someplace, it doesn't have to be a Nissan or Infinity store. It could be any store. And you are unsure as to how uh, fair your trading value is. I offer this service to you for free. You can come down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and we will give you, at no charge to you, a market valuation. So we will give you a piece of paper that tells you what you should expect to get as a trade-in on your car. And we are always prepared to buy your vehicle for the amount of money that we're telling you. So this way, you are protecting yourself from being given too little money or being shown on a bill of sale that you're getting more money than you're actually getting for your trade. So... Essentially, we are trying to protect the integrity of the value of the trade of the vehicle that you have. And this is something that is very much appreciated. Does that make sense, Ken? I, am I, you see, folks, I am an ESL after all. So sometimes I have problems with my eloquence. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I may, you know, my communication skills are still developing. So, you know, I, I use Ken as my, um, you know, canary uh, <laughs> in the mind here to see when I, when I see him kind of like drifting off, I can see it on my Zoom call. Does this make sense? Yeah, no, certainly it all makes sense. And like, I was, first off, I respect the fact that you do give a market evaluation to everybody who comes into the dealership, because that protects them not only from, you know, the prime other dealerships basically just trying to lowball them on the car, but then the fact that you're able or willing to pay them whatever the evaluation says, it's just an inherent protection for the consumer already. 
And I feel like that's as well, like when you're going in, you want to get the right price on your car, certainly on the new car that you're buying. But another huge anxiety for the consumer is that every consumer overvalues the car that they currently own. And they think that they should get more money or they're worried that they're going to get ripped off in their trade-in for some reason. So to provide that sort of evaluation to the consumer is empowering them not only to you know, make the deal at your dealership if they so choose, but also protects them from getting you know, sandbagged from another dealership who would inherently be trying to lowball them. If people only knew how safe it is to come and do business at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity simply because I am on air and I am accountable for everything that we do, they would never go anywhere else. But we have a phone call here, Ben. Uh, who do we have on the line? Yeah, we've got uh, Jamie from Toronto. Jamie, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Jamie, what's Two happening? One, yes. I want to know what Craig drives. <laughs> uh, that's what I'd like to know. And number two, you know, why are dealerships today, in, in his opinion, do you think it's good or bad? I mean, obviously it's to get them in the door to hopefully buy one of their brands. But, you know, I, I find it to be nothing worse, let's say, if you're going to a, you know, uh, uh, a Nissan dealership and I see a bunch of BMWs. Yeah. You know, and I'm just curious to know, are, are you a fan of dealerships and are they doing it just to try to drive business through the doors? I mean, or... What's the, the point and the value and the motive behind it? Uh, what do you mean? Let's say that you go to well, a in, in Nissan dealership of, and you find other brands? Jeep, let's say I've got a Jeep and I'm coming to you, but I've got no desire to buy a Nissan product. Um, you're saying to me you would still take my car? Yeah, of course. That's, you just described the entire basis of the whole Canadian used car operations. <laughs> so, you know, just because I don't sell Jeeps, it doesn't mean that I don't sell Jeeps. But, you, you know I what mean, I'm saying? That, that's recent because I remember back in the day, you know, dealerships. I don't think used to do that. No, they've they've always am done I wrong? it. Yeah, they, yeah, you're wrong. They've always done it. And to be really? perfectly honest with you, it, it is it is inevitable to have off makes on your lot, because uh, you know, just to give you an example, uh, Infinity is, in my opinion, the most underrated luxury manufacturer on the planet. And uh, people that see the light and understand that they don't have to pay these crazy amounts of money on buying luxury cars, they will trade in Mercedes and BMWs and Land Rovers and Audis. They trading everything into our infinity location so you know we literally just sell a, a perfectly good used vehicle out of our luxury division in the in the used car market so this happens all the time Okay. Are you there? Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm it's, not yeah, it's not it's not uncommon. It's the same thing on my Nissan operations. Somebody would be driving Toyotas and they realize that they're the most boring vehicle on the planet and they want to have a little bit of more fun with their driving experience. So they, they go and buy themselves, you know, a Nissan, a Honda, a Hyundai. And next thing you know, we have Corollas. And, oh, hold on a second. I, my spine the, always the just... Gold, the yeah, gold, gold Corolla? Corollas. Yes. I my, You know, I get shivers on my spine whenever I say that. Now name. that's a sweet... <laughs> Sweet gold Corolla. <laughs> we uh, we get a Corolla in the used car lot, and you know we we need to sell this product. It's perfectly fine. We put it through the shop. We bring it up to uh, new specifications, and uh, we can make people happy uh, on the first hand market and the second hand market. Now, I'm going to answer the other question that you asked. What do I normally drive? Okay. I was having these discussions with the boys a little bit later on, and because I drive a lot of kilometers, I put anywhere between seven to 10,000 kilometers a month in my car. I am fortunate enough to drive a new use or new new vehicle every four or five weeks. So I just put 11,000 kilometers on my Infiniti QX80 that I was driving, and uh, normally in the summertime, 
uh, I drive a Mercedes E-Class convertible in white. It's like one of my favorite vehicles on the planet. But this year, we were unable to find one in the second-hand market, and uh, we came across this 2020 um, S5 Audi convertible white with red leather interior and a red top, and I've been driving it for the last week and a half or so, and I can tell you, man, uh, I, I cannot explain to you how good that vehicle is that s5 convertible i have to say is probably one of the nicest driving experiences i have ever had now why did you ask i, I was just curious because you work for a dealership and i want to know if you represent your your brand on the road of course you know, that's all but but I, I, you know now that you're talking about audi i'm actually looking um, i just put money down on an rs5 and i went from bmw which i'll never drive ever again yeah uh to to audi and, and what a world of difference. And I, I um, bought it used because I find the resale value on them today yeah. um, is not as inflated as, let's say, on a Jeep or something like that. You know, and the, you're absolutely right. I was looking for a convertible. So if you want to sell it, I'd love to talk to you about it because I can't find one. Well, you, I have one right now. You see, everything everything that I drive is for sale. I'm not attached to anything. And and it, this always it, it always makes me laugh when people say to me, uh, "What are you driving? Are you representing your brand?" No, I'm representing my business. So right. uh, you know, so long as I drive a vehicle that is being sold by my business, I'm representing my stores. And uh, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, for you know, for executives like myself that drive a lot of kilometers, it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to put new vehicles on the road because we can only drive them for 11,000 kilometers before they don't qualify for any new car program. So, yeah, so at any given point during the year, I'll be driving whether it's a QX80, which is, you know, the, the big SUV that we have in Infinity that I love. So if you're looking for a Navigator or a Cadillac Escalade, the QX80 is a far better option. Or you, or I drive a QX60. You see, I'm a I'm a big fan of convertibles, man. And um, I try to drive one uh, every year. And uh, when Infiniti or Nissan come up with a convertible, that's exactly what I'll be driving. But if you want to drive a convertible Audi, I have one right now. It's parked on the lot here at TSN, and uh, it's it's absolutely delicious. What year is it? It's a 2020. Okay. But uh, you know, I, I, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call. I'm not gonna take up too much of your time, but I, I'm gonna call the dealership because. I've been looking high and low. Um, it, it, it obviously, going into the summer, they're, they're, it's a very hot car. Um, well, you don't have to call. Just drop by. Remember that I'm not there on Tuesdays, and uh, because I have no life, I live at that place. So just come and see me, bring me a coffee, and we'll look All after right. you. Thank you so much for the phone call. Thank and you. Have a we, great day, we uh, if. If you have any other questions, folks, uh, about cars, selling cars, leasing cars, getting rid of cars, if you need to make a decision about something that you're thinking about getting and you want a ruthless, insensitive opinion, call us, 416-870-1050 is the number, and we have another phone call here. No? Yeah, we have a couple on the line. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Anthony from Mississauga. Anthony, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Good morning, Craig. Uh, the question I have is, I live in a condominium, and there's quite a few older, high-luxury high vehicles yeah. that uh, the tags have been expired for about two, three years. Yeah. Now, I'm thinking about approaching these people if they want to sell one or two uh, through management or directly to see if, who owns that car. Yeah. But what do you think of a car that's been sitting for two, three years, but it's a high-end luxury car, a little older, but high-end luxury? 
Uh, well, the, I have mixed feelings about it because I know exactly what you mean. Uh, you know, anyone that lives in a condominium building, you'll see a lot of cars that are just sitting there parked for years and years and years. Some of them have a tarp, some of them don't. But you can tell that they haven't been driven. Uh, inactivity is just as bad as uh, overusage. Uh, and the reason why I say this is because things do go brittle. I mean, your your hoses will harden up and uh, and and crack. Your belts uh, are all cracked up. Your tires get flat spots. You know, if your fluids are not moving, you you're asking for problems. So. I would say give them a try, but before you make any serious decision on buying one of those vehicles, you should probably uh, get it towed to your local dealer, whatever that the dealer of the vehicle that you're looking at buying is. So if you're looking at buying an, an old 7 Series BMW, find the local BMW store drive it there, and get them to give you an actual assessment. That's the only way that you'll be able to determine the... You see, there is in the car business, there is the unknown, and there is also the unknowable. <laughs> the un- you don't know who owns the car. You don't know how long it's been sitting there. You don't know many things. But the unknowable, that even though you find that information out, you don't know what else is under the hood. And, you know, whenever you're getting into some sort of a relationship with a car, you need to look under the hood, man. You need to open that thing up, you know, see what's going on underneath there, and then <laughs> you can make a decision if you want to get into a long-term relationship so you know do that and i think uh, that's sound advice thank you so much for the phone call who else do we have on the line there ken no problem uh let's go to john from burlington john you're on the greg carrasco show oh good morning good morning greg just a little uh tidbit here my wife has been listening to your program for years and years and i never knew where how she could tell me different things about cars (laughs) she's a smart girl you saw I was the closet listener. Every morning. That's so awesome. anyway, that that I thought was very interesting. I love right. it. Uh, we have a 2004 RX 330, and uh, it's got 220,000 clicks on it. And uh, we don't drive it. We drive it six months of the year. Okay. And uh, when I came home, I started it up, and the uh, uh, check engine light went on, and the VSC light went on, but the car sounded perfect, no problem. So I wasn't sure, so I drove it a little bit, and the lights went out. Okay. So then they come on again. The, you oh. said the VSC light? Yes. The vehicle stability control, okay. Yes. Uh, so it's come on and off, on and off. So I got nervous, and I uh, had it checked, and they want about $3,000 to fix it. They tell me that the coolant has... Uh, leaked and they've got a they've taken the manifold off and they're checking it all out uh and tell me that the parts are about eleven hundred and fifty dollars i have no idea you know is it worth fixing okay um that is a very 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 good question and uh, this is what i can say to you um you the vehicle is uh, 2004 correct that's right so it's 16 years old uh you are driving Less than 20,000 kilometers a year, correct? Correct. Um, The RX350 or the RX300 is quite possibly one of the best luxury SUVs on the planet. So that thing is is a tank. Um, If it takes you $3,000 to get it up and running and make it reliable again, you're not going to be able to replace that with $3,000. 
So my advice, I don't know how old you are, but I'm going to presume that, let's say that I'm young enough to be your son. If I, were, if I were your son and, I was, uh, and, and, and my dad asked me for this question, knowing all that I know, I would say, Dad, look, put the $3,000, get this thing fixed up. You barely use it anyways, and just keep it and make sure that you service it when you get back and before you leave. So you get it, uh, you get it uh, summarized and you get it winterized. So this way you have at least two checkups on that vehicle at the time that matters. Now, uh, if it was any other vehicle, I would say get rid of it because $3,000 is a lot. But uh, when you're talking about a Lexus RX350, I'd say no, invest the money. Was, is this done at a Lexus store? I'm sorry? Was this uh, the, the, the service is being done at a Lexus store? Yes. Okay, so then, then you're safe. Lexus store, for the most part, are pretty good people. Now, which one are you using? The one in Oakville? Yes. Okay, they're good guys. Uh, good guys and girls, uh, because you know there's all sorts of people there. But uh, they're good people, so just take it there, get it done, and make sure that they prepare the vehicle for the summertime and uh, don't replace it. Just fix it. Okay, that's great. Really appreciate it because we just weren't sure, uh, and uh, we love the vehicle. In fact, uh, we have a, a, a two eighteen RX uh, NX, and I have a, a two eleven that I keep in Florida. Oh, so really? We've loved the cars, but our next uh, vehicle will be looking at one of your uh, vehicles. Well, I, I love that. And listen, give your, your wife a big hug, and thank you so much for listening to my show. She's a smart, smart girl. <laughs> thank well, you. She is, because I mentioned <laughs> something about the car, and she tells me something. I said, how do you know this? <laughs> That's I, amazing, I I listen to him every Saturday when you're out golfing. Oh, that, I, what is her name? Eleanor. Eleanor, I love you. Greg Carrasco loves you. Uh, thank <laughs> you so much for the phone call. And I, stay on listening, okay? Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank Have a great you. Day. Oh, that makes me so, so happy, Ken. And I need to, uh, I need to uh, clarify something this morning, folks. My name... I'm going to tell you my name in, uh, in my mother tongue, okay? In my mother tongue, this is my name. It's Gregory Alejandro Carrasco Carrasco. That's how you say it in Spanish. But here is Greg. It's not Craig. <laughs> Craig. There's been a lot of cranks this morning. It's, uh, it's, it's been quite comical. But we still have a couple more phone calls we'll sure. get in Who's here next? before the first break. Let's go to Mike from Mississauga. Mike, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, good morning, Greg. How are you? I am very well, thank you. How can I make your life better this morning? I uh, just got a question. Uh, so my son uh, traded in a 2016 Genesis, uh, Hyundai Genesis. Okay. And he bought himself a Nissan Road. Okay. So now, eight months passes, uh, he's getting something done. He's trying to, you know, put his bills together, health insurance, and car insurance. And he pulls out the ownership, and my name is on Okay. So, so I because I had the co-sign for the Genesis, uh, I, I understand why my name was on that ownership. Yeah. But so, so now he bought this car all on his own. My name is nowhere on any contract. I didn't even enter uh, the dealership. Uh, which dealership did you buy it at? Uh, it's in Georgetown. Uh, is it a used uh, car? It's a used car, uh, used Nissan, but it wasn't. It was a, like a branded lot. Okay, so this is not a Nissan dealership, correct? 
correct. Okay, my friend, you, listen, not knowing a lot about what just took place, um, somebody made a really, really bad thing, did a really bad thing to you. And this is something that is so unbelievably illegal that I am going to try to reserve the right to uh, have this conversation with you off air because um, somebody attached your name to something that shouldn't be. Um, So essentially you own that car. Right. So we went back to the dealership and explained it. And uh, uh, on that day in in question like it seemed to be understood that like they made a mistake that's not a uh, mistake that's that's an intentional decision that was made to tie you into another contract right but i had no idea so like my son is making his payments he's sending his like he has nothing he's not on my account at all he did this all on his own okay so hear, hear me out hear me out you see, if you go back and you ask for the file, you know, they're going to bring the file out, and you ask them to pull out the credit application, I can right. guarantee you that they put your name in there and they force your signature. And that is illegal because they needed, oh they needed to send a signed credit application to the lender in order for them to actually give you the loan. But what's more terrifying is the fact that you never gave them your driver license, you never gave them anything, did you? I didn't. Eat, I was never part of the deal. I, the only time I was in this dealership was to help oh. my son uh, explain the situation. That's crazy, and this happens all the time. Really, <laughs> this happens all the time. Why, that's one of the reasons why I left the place that I went to work with because that was common practice. This is not good, folks. And uh, you know, I, I'll give you my direct line: nine zero five four six seven zero seven two seven. That's my home phone number. Call me after the show, and I'll tell you what to do because that's. Can you, uh, give me the, one more time, Greg. I'm sorry. 905-467-0727. And yes, I am crazy enough to give my home phone number because I hold myself accountable. Well, that sounded well, a, it sounded like cannibal, but no, I meant accountable. That's what I I'll, meant. I'll, I'll tell you something else, too, because I do listen to the show, and I can see the kids getting a runaround. Uh, they actually, uh, the, the, I, I'm not sure which manager, but somebody there told him even suggested to him that he goes because they want me to gift the car to him at MPO and pay all those little fees and now because the cars so okay hold on a second hold on a second you just slipped that one past me so you listen to the show yeah yeah how long have you been listening to the show I'd say five six years okay so the fact that you are in this mess is all your fault because no. <laughs> you know it's all your fault because you never came and saw me you see if you had come and see me this would have never happened it wouldn't have been a conversation no, so, you don't understand. He, my, he, my son just turned around one day. I'm getting rid of his car, the sports car, because, uh, you know, he's uh, in a relationship, got himself a nice big dog, and doesn't fit in the back of a Genesis. So uh, like, he's doing really well. I mean, like, he's pretty responsible. And then he went to, he did listen to me. Don't go to a curbsider. Go to a branded lot. And in Georgetown, there's only a few. And mm. a lot's been there a long time. That's so, that's not good. But listen to me. I I think it's important that you call me after the show, and I'll try to guide you because uh, that's fraud, dude, and that's not that's not a good thing. Now, I uh, you know if you have a question about the car industry, thank you so much for the phone call, by the way. The um, if you have a question about the car industry or about life in general, call us four one six eight seven zero ten fifty is the number. I know there's a bunch of people on hold right now, but we yeah, need one, one more. Well, let's get one more one more before the break, and then we'll go. Well, let's go to Robert from Etobicoke. Robert, you're on the great grass. 
Masco Show. Uh, yes, uh, hello. Thank you for taking my call. No problem. How can I make your life better this morning? Well, I hope you can make my life better. <laughs> uh, I'm calling on behalf of my sister, so I'm a bit vague on details. Okay. The gist of the situation is this. My sister purchased a used vehicle, a 2017 Hyundai Santa Fe. Okay. Uh, she purchased it about three months ago. She purchased it from a, a Ford dealer, okay. and she purchased an extended warranty from the dealer. So okay. the Ford dealership already has her money. Okay. My sister started to experience some problems with said vehicle. She brought the vehicle to a Hyundai dealership who told her that there was a problem. I believe it has something to do with a rear differential. Yep. She took the vehicle back to the Ford dealer. The Ford dealer inspected the vehicle. They told her there's nothing wrong with the vehicle. They won't provide her with a loaner vehicle. I'm wondering, is there any advice that you can give her? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, that is a tough one uh, for two different reasons. Because, um, you know, here's what I can tell you. I can guarantee you that the warranty that she purchased was not a Hyundai warranty, was it? Well, I don't know, because the problem is my sister and my brother-in-law like to do things on their own, but they really don't have a clue what they're doing. So if they involved me uh, in it, this mess world. never would have occurred. <laughs> welcome but to I can tell world. you what the problem is. The yeah. problem is there's something that I refer to as information asymmetry. So what that means is mechanics know a lot more about vehicles than lay people do. Yeah. So they can tell her a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, and she's not going to know whether they're telling her the truth or not, because she's completely in the dark. Yeah. So I don't know, but she says she thinks there's a problem with the vehicle. A Hyundai dealership has corroborated that view, but the Ford dealer, uh, the, 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 the warranty, I believe, is with the Ford dealer. Yeah. The Ford dealer is saying that there's no problem. Now, they may be telling the truth, but they also have a vested interest in not fixing it, because since they've already got the money, this represents an expense with no revenue stream. Okay, well, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, no, no, do the work. no, 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 let me, let me stop you there for a second. You see, again, it, this is information asymmetry, you know, your brother and sister-in-law may not know what they're talking about. They don't. Yeah, but you, on the other hand, you know, you think that you may know more than it actually has happened in here, and let me explain. Okay. Okay? The, uh, I am the the consummate proponent of extended warranties. I don't think that anybody should leave a dealership without an extended warranty. But there is a caveat here. It has to be the right extended warranty because there is a lot of dealerships out there that are selling you self-administered extended warranties. So in this case, you would be right. So if they have to generate a repair, this is something that they're going to have to pay. So the first thing that we need to determine here, and I'm going to try to help you out, we need to determine the type of warranty that these people bought. Okay? So yeah. once you determine the warranty these people bought, um, we are, I'm going to be able to tell you the validity of that extended warranty and also what the recourse that you may have with a Hyundai store. Now, don't hold the Hyundai store accountable for anything. Well, the because problem it's is it's not a Hyundai store because they bought it from a Ford dealer. I understand that. Hear me out. Hear me out. If it's the right warranty, you can still go and get the vehicle serviced at the local Hyundai store, and the work will be performed there, and then she can make the warranty claim from the Hyundai store. You see what I'm saying? No, I don't. Do you mean she has to pay the Hyundai dealership and then no, try no, and go no, after no, no. the Ford dealership no, no, for no, the no, money? No, the dealers, that's something that between dealers would arrange themselves. So okay, the, so you're saying that the, the Hyundai dealership would, and the Ford dealership would have to settle up with the Hyundai dealership. That's right. So, but, but isn't it, that a problem? Because the Ford dealership is then going to turn around and say that the Hyundai dealership fixed something that didn't need to be fixed. Uh, no, there, is, there are some recourse on this, and for that you have OMVIC, the Ontario Motor Vehicle Industry Council. Okay, let me write that down. OMVIC? 
OMVIC, O-M-V-I-C, Ontario Motor Vehicle Industry Council. Okay, they, I'll, I'll, I'll Google that when I'm off the air. Yeah, so, you know, call me after the show. Oh, thank you. What number should I call? 905-467-07. Okay, just a minute. Let me write this down, Greg. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. I'm going to, hold on a second. I'm going to, you know, hang up right now, and I will give my number uh, after the show, because people confuse the two, the number on air here and and my personal number, and they then my phone starts ringing. So stay tuned, and I will give you my direct line afterwards okay okay so, so you're gonna call me back after the show is that right uh, we'll talk after the show okay and you people have my number right i uh, know uh, you <laughs> okay you, i have his number we're okay, all good fine we'll call you after the show okay thank you greg Wow. All right, folks, that's amazing. If you have a question just like that one, you call us. 416-870-1050 is the number. That's the number for the studio live right now. You need to have a thick skin because you may not like to hear what I have to say. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity. And there is where you come and see me if you want straight up advice. You are part of an elite group of people. That get their brain expanded every Saturday morning with some amazing knowledge. You're going to sound smarter with your friends. Like my girl Eleanor. You're going to sound smarter with, uh, with love your it. husband, apparently. Love it, love it. And if you drop by, my, <laughs> if you drop by the office, if you, can, if you come and see me, I will give you the t-shirt that you're part of Slacker Nation so you can sport it. I love that. You know, how long have we been talking about my used cars being a one-price store at my store, Ken? It's been a while, right? <laughs> yeah, it's been quite some time, and we've often talked about the fact that you don't have a sales or used car sales manager at your store because you don't believe in the position anymore. But also, like, the proof is in the pudding. You move the used cars off your lot, and oftentimes we look at other dealerships, and one red flag is when they have stock that's just sedentary. Like places will buy used cars and then just have them on the lot just for sit there forever. six months, a year, 18 months. No, I just it, it makes no sense. I just got to share something funny with you because remember Jamie, the guy that called a little while ago looking at buying my Audi convertible? Yeah. I got a text from him. It says, uh, Jamie here, great show. Will you take $55,000 for your Audi? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, I'm going to send you a slap. Ah, <laughs> uh, people hear me, but they don't listen. Or they listen, but they don't hear me. <laughs> Folks, there is no safety for you if I tell you to come and negotiate because I'm going to give you a good deal. That's a lie. Negotiation is overrated. If you're still falling for that nonsense when people tell you, come and see me, let's make a deal, and let's negotiate. Oh, really? Really? You know, it's like me. Taking somebody off the street and saying, you know, just why don't you come and just wrestle with me? Let's just, you know, just come on the ground and sit down. Let, let me just put my arm around your neck and nothing will happen to you. I promise you, you're okay. Listen, the only place that people should be making a deal is if they're on that television show hosted by Wayne Brady. Let's make a deal. Let, let's make a deal. That's the only place. Aside from that, if you're going to the dealership. Uh, the price is set at Oakville Nissan, and the protections are in place to protect the consumer. But come on. <laughs> the text message negotiation is next level. The price is right. Oh, Sliding into the DMs. Jamie, 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 dude. 
<laughs> you know, it's never they never cease to amaze me, man. Slackers, I love you all except two. You know that. Nope. You know, there's two of them. No, but that is the actual answer to that. No, we don't negotiate. We give you our best price right up front, and we're so convinced that the actual price is that it's an actual market value price for the vehicle. You see. The price of the vehicle should not be determined on how good or how bad of a negotiator you may be. If that's the premise that they're telling you, think about that for a second. <laughs> uh, in, in, in the part that always makes me laugh is that people fall for this on a regular basis. Let me make you an offer. Okay, you, we, we want to do this. You want, you want to negotiate with me. Today alone, I will go through more negotiations that you will go in your entire lifetime. And you think that you can win. You're that good, eh? That's amazing. When was the last time you negotiated? Five years ago. Last time I leased the car and paid full list. That's great. Good for you. Did you buy an extended warranty? No. You lost. Why are you trading the vehicle and all? Because I'm over the kilometers on the trade on, on the actual lease. You lost. Why are you trading the vehicle and all? Because my engine blew up and I don't have an extended warranty and I only have 110,000 kilometers. You lost. You see, people? You need to understand this. If negotiating was good for the consumer, <laughs> you wouldn't be allowed to negotiate. <laughs> Uh, going back to the last show that Ken and I got into a heated argument. You know, if voting <laughs> made, it, made any difference, they wouldn't let us do it. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. And as far as the negotiating is concerned, you know, people will always, you know, try to heckle and, you know, sort of have that, you're trying to lower the price at the flea market mentality and get something for, you know, a dollar, two dollars cheaper. But at the end of the day, if you're driving that car out of the dealership with somebody who does this for a living, it's very seldom that you're going to walk out on top. And if you're signing on the dotted line, it's because that deal is good for the dealership more so than it is for you. So really the negotiation is just a, a big ploy to make you feel good about signing on the dotted line. I, uh, Ken, I can't tell you how happy I am to be in the studio today. There is another spring to my step. I feel it. <laughs> You know, I like the way that uh, the show has come out today. I think Didn't that know I had that impact on people. You actually, you are that handsome, Ben. You know, your face is perfect for radio. It's amazing. <laughs> the, <laughs> oh, I've heard that too many times before. <laughs> Me too, but in, it's a low in, hanging fruit. in my case, it's true. Um, you know, I'm just a Spaniard, and I know that Eleanor listens to me because of that. Suave Spanish accent. That's the only reason why she listens to me, and that's good. But, folks, if you have any questions about the car industry, you can still call us. There's still time. 416 870 1050 is the number. Again, 416 870 1050 is the number. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and we are the home of the no commission salespeople. We're going to take a very, very small break, and we'll be right back. This last hour has always been my, one of my favorite hours. It's, uh, it's the hour of the grievances where people call me if they have a beef and I help them walk through life through power my hour. eyes. What's that? It's the power hour. It's the power the, hour. The, yeah, the full line power hour. Uh, who do we have on the line there, Bob? What yeah, about got, Bob? Yeah, we got Bob from Mississauga. Bob, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, Bob. How, how can I make your life better this morning, Bob? Well, I'm lucky this morning to be accompanied by the president of the GTA Gold Corolla Club. <laughs> That's awesome. So I, I expect you to send your uh, your uh, warm wishes. What is her name? 
Is that a gold Corolla? Or are you just happy to see I, me? I call her Bella. <laughs> Bella. <laughs> Bella. I don't, what's her real name? Uh, I'm, I'm sworn to confidentiality. confidentiality. Okay, Bella, a big hug from the Carrasco Show. We love you, too. I know that you force your husband to listen to me every Saturday morning, and I love it. <laughs> so my question is, if uh, the guy that called in about buying the Hyundai at a Ford dealer... Yeah. Uh, if you had that situation happen in your dealership, how is the customer covered by these uh, aftermarket uh, warranties? Uh, there are there are good aftermarket warranties and there are terrible, terrible, terrible aftermarket warranties. And because I don't want to get into a legal battle with these people on air, I'd rather tell them whether he's got a leg to stand on or not off air. Um, but, you know, very soon I'm going to start speaking out about this because I keep hearing this over and over and over again and I'm tired of listening to it because, you know, it puts a bad taste in people's mouth when the reality is that nobody should leave a dealership if with a cash deal or a finance without an extended warranty. That's a mistake. If people only knew the, the harm's way that they're putting themselves in, if they leave the store without an extended warranty, they would listen to me. Unfortunately, you have dealers that don't have a lot of um, you know ethical uh, grounding, and they're selling stuff that is not good. And that's the problem. The problem is not the customer bought the warranties. So they, they sold them a warranty that wasn't good. So um, I think that I'm going to start listing the name of the companies that I would do business with on my website. And uh, so this way people can go there and see, okay, is that extended warranty on the Carrasco website as, a, as an actual preferred vendor? And then you can go ahead and buy it. And if it's not on the website, then don't do it. You see what I'm saying? So this way we cannot get into a legal battle with these people. Yeah, okay. Great, thank you, and a uh, and a uh, uh, buenos dias to you and your team. <laughs> Ciao, 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 Bella. <laughs> Thank you for the phone call. You know, he's he's always listening, and uh, his wife forces him to say, Here, listen to this. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, if you love me, you got to listen to Carrasco. It's amazing how many women listen to the show, Ken. It amazes me. It's got to be the accent, man. It's got to be. <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> anybody who wants uh, some more information, honest information about the car industry, they tune in on Saturday morning because... You really do give a behind-the-curtains view of what's going on and an honest opinion and honest advice about what the best course of action is for people who are in a difficult situation. So when you're giving that sort of product out, then people are going to appreciate it. I love it. And uh, for those of you that uh, don't have a lot of time on Saturday mornings and you want to listen to the show on your own time, whenever you feel like it, without the interruptions of commercials, uh, you can go to iTunes and look for the Greg Carrasco Show podcast and just click subscribe and it's going to land on your phone automatically every single week and you can listen to us a, you know a bit of the time you can listen to the entire thing on your own time whenever you have a little bit of free time or you're doing your chores around the house or your wife is sending you to fix something uh, you can listen to us and uh, no judgment here but folks uh, I am thrilled folks of Bell Canada listen to me the folks of Bell Media you need to listen to me I have enjoyed broadcasting this show from the studio today. I don't want to go back home. Don't do this to me. Don't do it. And for the rest of the world, except two people, before you make any car buying decision, you need to come and see me. You owe it to yourself. You need to come and see me at Oakville Infinity and Oakville Nissan because you are safe. And as you all know, there's something happening there at Oakville Nissan.com.